Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Instead of 12 days of Christmas, we've had, including today, 12 days of a government shutdown. He is desperate because he fears the Mueller investigation. This serves as a distraction and gins up a base that, frankly, Chris, doesn't like the federal government anyway. They could care less. His base could care less if the government is open. But think about this in terms of this wall. We just celebrated Christmas, or at least tried to. Federal workers, I was reading online, Time Magazine did a piece, some federal workers who aren't getting paychecks are having to return their Christmas gifts, okay, having to seek second jobs. That's just not right. These are the people that work for him. And as far as his wall is concerned, you know, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus, who was part of an immigrant family seeking political asylum in another country from King Herod's we violence. We've heard a lot from evangelicals on this. And, and, but see, if, but we should because if they were true to themselves, if Jesus were today or Trump was back then, he would have been separated from his parents. Joseph and Mary would have been put in a separate detention center. He would have been put in a separate detention center. And he might likely have, have died in custody like another child did over the holidays. So, Peter, the president stopped tweeting about the wall long enough to uh, tweet a response to Mitt Romney, who had a, an op-ed in the Washington Post today. Uh, in it, he separates the president's policies, which some of which, anyway, he supports, from the president whose character he criticizes. You tweeted Romney is showing how you can be a Republican and not lose your integrity in the age of Trump. What do you mean by that? Well, because uh, Mitt Romney's spoken up and indicated that he is going to be a voice of conscience. So when Donald Trump crosses lines, transgresses norms, he's going to be called out. Um, not many Republicans have done that. A uh, few have, Jeff Flake, uh, Bob Corker, Ben Sass, but it's, well, not, fla- it's not... In fact, that's what the president tweeted back. You know, he hopes he, you don't flake out on me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, one would, ex- one would expect that. I do think it's significant that Mitt Romney is an incoming senator, not an outgoing one. That's different than, than Flake and, uh, and Corker. The other thing is... And he's also in a state, let's be clear here, where his, he and his family are royalty. It's not like he's worried that this op-ed is going to get him in trouble with his constituents. Sure, he's got some latitude uh, because Mormons, to their credit, uh, take moral character seriously in a way that a lot of other uh, groups, evangelical Christians these days, many of them, uh, don't. So he's got more latitude. But look, it's, he still means he's going to get some incoming fire, as we saw today, and it'll increase. But Mitt Romney is fundamentally a man of decency uh, to his core, and, and I think that he finds, rightly so, that Donald Trump is, is, is indecent. It's a free-for-all edition of Flyover Politics Podcast. Woo-hoo! And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 7th of January, year of our Lord, 2019. I had so much, I had to just go with it. And for those that are old school, like original OG politic 
flyover politic listeners. We're going back to an old format. Free for all. So every once in a while I'm going to throw this in. The only thing that it key back is you're going to have some hate tweets because I like those. And you're going to have new social media nuggets because I love that. But then it's just subjects. There's no fire for effects, even though some will refer back to other stories. And there'll be no hypocrisy, stats, things like that. And we'll just go straight in to a subject. So today's little soiree. Pelosi and the Dems control Congress. That is a podcast in itself. I'll condense it. Hate tweets. Sean King and racial profiling. This literally came down to me in a tweet. Not to be crude, but I was doing my morning constitution. No, it was an evening constitution. It was an afternoon constitution. I'm eating a high fiber diet with the wife. Everything's got cabbage in it. It's not good. That's all I'm saying. It's just not good. So this just started. I didn't even know about the story. And it just, boom. Whoa, talk about hypocritical racial profiling, but it's okay. We got a short hypocrisy section that we're going to do today because I got some good sound bites, but I'm going to try to stay away from that for future ones. An op-ed on school shootings and our ever-increasing disrespectful culture. And of all things, it was literally spurned by SWAT on CBS. Wow, they did a good job. They hit it right on the money. wasn't about guns. Is about what the fuck, Chuck. You got to know it's your kids. And then we'll close out with news and social media nuggets. Got some good shit. Lot of dumb. So let's start playing baseball. Here's Nancy Pelosi becoming the Speaker of the House in the Wayback Machine. Good evening from Capitol Hill. Well, it is a hallmark of this American democracy that power transfers peacefully. People expect it as a matter of course. And it happened again here on Capitol Hill today as Democrats took control of both the House and the Senate. This time, however, it was different. Still peaceful, to be sure. But this time, for the first time in the 218-year history of the Congress, a woman was voted by her colleagues to be Speaker of the House. Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, took the gavel. But in a picture perhaps even more symbolic, the new Speaker was on the floor for a time, holding her six-year-old grandson, all the while giving directions on how events were to proceed. It seemed the ultimate in multitasking, taking care of the children and the country. Ah, the media was just a notch lower on their partisanship back then, but it wasn't what we'll see in Pelosi now. You want to hear how? Oh my God, it's like Obama. God has descended and handed the gavel to that fake-faced, incoherent fucking moron. And she is part of a historic class of women here uh, in the Congress that will be led uh, by Nancy Pelosi, who is a historic figure. Uh, She's going to reclaim her position as speaker, uh, the most powerful woman in American politics. And we've already seen how some of that dynamic uh, plays out on the national stage in that meeting uh, with the president in the Oval Office, where, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi walked out in that that red coat that's now uh, famous, seen as kind of the the victor, triumphant. Triumphant uh, over the president in that meeting. I think that gave you a little bit of a taste uh, of what this might be like. Nancy Pelosi is a veteran legislator and dealmaker. Her daughter was on TV yesterday uh, saying that she'll cut your head off and you won't even know that you're bleeding, which is a pretty remarkable thing uh, for a daughter to say about their mother. Uh, she views herself as uh, somebody who has collected years of wisdom and experience uh, and is the right general. After that, 
infamous Oval Office meeting before the holidays, you reportedly came back, spoke to some members of your caucus, other Democrats, and said the wall, it seems like it might be a manhood thing. It might be about his manhood. That's a statement that's capable of interpretation. Care to explain what you meant? Well, I, did, I wish that my members had not repeated that outside the room. Do you think he deals with you differently because you're a woman? I have no idea. We'll see. Maybe now that he, how he will deal with the Speaker of the House. And that doesn't matter whether you're a woman or not. But I hope he recognizes that a new day has dawned in America. You said in August he, you thought he might be afraid of you and afraid of the women that are coming to Congress. Oh, well, I don't know if he knows how to deal with women in power and women with uh, strength, but we'll see. And she is part of a historic class of women here uh, in the Congress that will be led uh, by Nancy Pelosi, who is a historic figure. Uh, she's going to reclaim her position as Speaker, uh, the most powerful woman in American politics. And we've already seen how some of that dynamic uh, plays out on the national stage in that meeting uh, with the president in the Oval Office, where uh, you know Nancy Pelosi walked out in that, that red coat that's now uh, famous, seen as kind of the, the victor, uh, triumphant. Uh, over the president in that meeting. I think that gave you a little bit of a taste uh, of what this might be like. Nancy Pelosi is a veteran legislator and dealmaker. Her daughter was on TV yesterday uh, saying that she'll cut your head off and you won't even know that you're bleeding, which is a pretty remarkable thing uh, for a daughter to say about their mother. Uh, she views herself as uh, somebody who has collected years of wisdom and experience uh, and is the right general. I now call the House to order on behalf of all of America's children. Go kids! Go kids! Go kids! Obviously, as Gloria said, she was there you know, watching when she first became the, the very first female speaker. She's obviously still the only female right. speaker in the history of, of America. Um, and, you know, it was obviously a historic moment for women, but she wasn't as, she didn't wear her femininity on her sleeve. Uh, and her, for lack of a better way to say, girl power on her sleeve, the way she is now. And that was one of the things that was striking when I talked to her, and I've seen in, in other interviews since, the fact that she is very openly, aggressively, consciously trying to send messages to women of, of all parties in a nonpartisan way and, and of mm -hmm. all professions, uh, all walks of life, that it is okay to be a, a powerful w woman without... Um, you know, mm -hmm. getting all of the baggage that Jeff Doris, the significance of Nancy Pelosi now, the most powerful woman in government. You know, I think for all the angst that people felt about who the speaker should be between the election and today, there's no question she's the right person at the right time in the right place. It's an incredible thing to see this diverse house. I must say I'm ever optimistic when I watch them. A lot of young people must be feeling, I can be one of them. So it's a pretty exciting thing. It's about time that the House of Representatives, the People's House, begins to look more like the people of the United States. And, and I, I think it's thrilling. I felt that at the time of the midterms. We've had so little joy in politics in these last months. I mean, there seems to me so little joy in President Trump as a person, you know, except when he's fighting against something. So to see families together at this moment, to see the joy of new people thinking that maybe things will be different, you know, that maybe there's something will change and this fever will break. 
Um, we just have to celebrate that moment. Let us just take this moment and feel good about it and know that maybe things will get a tough again tomorrow. But I just have a little bit better feeling about things right now as of this moment. It is great to have you with us here on a Thursday night. We have a lot to get to tonight, but we're going to begin with that historic power shift in Washington. Democrats taking over the House and making history with the new makeup of Congress. Nancy Pelosi, the first woman to ever be Speaker of the House, now returning for her second run in the role. Calling the session to order with her grandchildren, inviting all of the children and grandchildren in the chamber right up to the podium. Calling it a new dawn, Pelosi welcomed the most diverse group of representatives the Congress has ever seen. And in a surprise move late today, President Trump appearing in the White House briefing room with his own message for Speaker Pelosi. And a reminder tonight, despite the pageantry we saw today, it is now day 13 of the government shutdown. 800,000 Americans are waiting to get paid. Many others won't even get back pay. Mary Bruce leads us off from the Hill tonight. With her grandchildren by her side, a beaming Nancy Pelosi made a triumphant return to power. This afternoon, Democratic committee chairs, newly vested with subpoena power, began to lay out their plans to investigate President Trump and his administration. You know it's been happening with families separated at the border. Democrats filed legislation today to go after the president's tax returns and vowed to reopen a Russia probe House Republicans closed last year. And as special counsel Robert Mueller continues his investigation, Pelosi today disputed the Justice Department's claim that a sitting U.S. president can't be indicted. Today belongs to her. I now call the House to order on behalf of all of America's children. But Nancy Pelosi's second speakership may be shaped by him, a president confronting a new political universe. Congratulations, each and every one of you. As a triumphant Pelosi and her party take over the House. There was little time for the media not, like, to try to correct themselves. Right out the gate, this is a politico reporter rachel bade sitting above the chamber you can see the stark contrast in color by the way the gop and dem sides the r's are all in dark suits almost all white the dem side is speckled with pinks and purples and greens being worn by historic number of women also very ethnically diverse she followed up with the kids are taking over the house a rando like me Try to hide your Democrat, Democrato, and Benny. It's 2019 and we're still judging people by the color of their skin? Possibly the shallowest, most intellectually inept of observation. You'll see this month, maybe this year, but I doubt it. Yeah. Melissa Milano, for the people. D's nuts for the people. She, she came out of the gate with this kick-ass little speech, but in here you'll hear freaking fuck up and do some dumbass while she was doing it but just listen to what this lady said we have no illusions that our work will be easy and that all of us in this chamber will always agree but let each of us pledge that when we disagree we respect each other and we respect the truth we We will debate and advance good ideas no matter where they come from. And in that spirit, Democrats will be offering the Senate Republican Appropriations legislation to reopen government later today.
We will do so. We'll do so to meet the needs of the American people, to protect our borders, and to respect our workers. And I pledge that this Congress will be transparent, bipartisan, and unifying, that we will seek to reach across the aisle in this chamber and across divisions across our nation. In the past two years, the American people have spoken. Tens of thousands of public events were held. Hundreds of thousands of people turned out. Millions of calls were made. Countless families, even sick little children, our little lobbyists, our little lobbyists bravely came forward to tell their stories, and they made a big difference. Now the floor of this house must be America's town hall, where people will see our debates and where their voices will be heard and affect our decisions. Transparency will be the order of the day. And as Mr. Jeffries, our distinguished chairman, said, we will follow our, our mandate for the people. And I thank you for your kind nomination and accept those kind remarks on behalf of the entire House Democratic Caucus who made all of those victories possible. Some of them in a bipartisan way. The tellers agree in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 430, of which the Honorable Nancy Pelosi of the state of California has received 220. The mandate for the people to lower health care costs and prescription drug prices and protect people with pre-existing medical conditions. <laughs> to increase paycheck to increase paychecks 
by rebuilding America with green and modern infrastructure from sea to shining sea. We look forward to working with the President on that. To pass H.R. 1 to restore integrity to government so that people can have confidence that government, in a government that works for the people, not the special interest. H.R. 1. This House will take overdue legislation that has bipartisan support, bipartisan support in the Congress and across the country. We will make our community safer and keep our sacred promise to the victims and survivors and families of gun violence by passing common sense, bipartisan background check legislation. We will make America fairer by passing the Equality Act to end discrimination against the LGBTQ community. And we will make America more American by passing our, by protecting our patriotic, courageous dreamers. Our nation is at an historic moment. Two months ago, the American people spoke and demanded a new dawn. They called upon the beauty of our Constitution, the, our system of checks and balances that protects our democracy, remembering that the legislative branch is Article One, the first branch of government, co-equal to the presidency and to the judiciary. <laughs> They want a Congress that delivers results for the people, opening up opportunity and lifting up their lives. We're hearing the voice of the future there. How beautiful. <laughs> when our new members take the oath, our Congress will be refreshed and our democracy will be strengthened by their optimism, idealism, and patriotism of this transformative freshman class. Congratulations to all of you in the freshman class. Working together, we'll, we will redeem the promise of the American dream for every family, advancing progress for every community. We must be pioneers of the future. This Congress must accelerate a future that advances America's preeminence in the world and opens up opportunities for all building an economy that gives all Americans the tools they need to succeed in the 21st century, public education, workforce development, good-paying jobs, and secure pensions. We have heard from too many families who wonder in this time of innovation and globalization if they have a place in the economy of the future. We must remove all doubt that they do and say to them individually, we will have an economy that works for you. Let us declare that we will call upon bold thinking to address the disparity of income in America, which is at the root of the crisis of confidence felt by so many Americans. As Justice Brandeis said, we may have democracy or we may have wealth concentrated in the hands of the few, but we cannot have both. 
We must end that injustice and restore the public's faith in a better future for themselves and their children. We must be champions of the middle class and all those who aspire to it, because the middle class is the backbone of our democracy. It has been since the birth. It has been since the birth of our democracy. Aristotle said, it is manifest that the best political community is formed by citizens of the middle class, in which the middle class is large and stronger than any of the other classes. We must fight for the middle class that is fair and fiscally sound, protecting Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. <laughs> we must also face the existential threat of our time, the climate crisis, a crisis manifested in natural disasters of epic proportions. The American people understand the urgency. The people are ahead of the Congress. The Congress must join them. And that is why we have created a select committee on climate crisis. The entire Congress must work to put an end to the inaction and denial of science that threaten the planet and the future. This This is a, this is a, a decision, it's a, deci a public health decision about clean air, clean water for our children's health. It's a decision for America's global preeminence in the green technologies. It is a, a decision, a security decision to keep us all safe. All three. All three of that, all those legislative initiatives have bipartisan support in this body. And when we're talking about the Dreamers, let us remember what President Reagan said in his last speech as President of the United States. I, I urge you all to read it. It's a beautiful speech. He said, if we ever close the door to new Americans, our leadership role in the world will soon be lost. Ronald Reagan. Our common cause, the you know, applaud for Ronald Reagan. Our common cause is to find and for This is for John. It sounds like a skit, man. For the children, you kill people. Like a lot of peoples. A lot of women, too. Ari Melber, Nancy Pelosi makes history today as the first woman Speaker of the House and the second woman Speaker of the House. That's how I'm trying to do it. CNN, Nancy Pelosi elected Speaker of the House, reclaiming the gavel and becoming the first female House Speaker. Independent. How Nancy Pelosi made history once again with a little bit of help from Trump. Laura Figueroa Hernandez, a blue check. Nancy Pelosi became House Speaker, making history again in New York News. Blop, fuck up. Megan Pratt's GOP leader hand the gavel to Nancy Pelosi. She's making history yet again. Important to note that Nancy Pelosi is the highest ranking woman in the U.S. government and she's the only woman who's risen this high. Rebecca Kaplan, Pelosi's still the only female speaker in U.S. history. Rolling Stones, Nancy Pelosi makes history as she resumes her post. History, 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 history. 
Vox had to correct himself. An earlier version of the story mistakenly said Nancy Pelosi was the second person in history to claim the Speaker gavel after losing it. Ugh. Or the jihadist way, Warren Bass, a bit of hit American history, the first two Muslim women elected to the U.S. House of Representatives was sworn in today. Or Sky News, history made as Congress convenes with more women than ever. David Reitz, if you had to take a drink every time the word history has been said on MSNBC today, you would be hospitalized. <laughs> Why is it always history when Dems do it? I, I still go back to Kellyanne Conway, who I don't like. She made history. We did not get histrionics over history. Daniel Burke, in her first speech as House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi frames new environmental push in explicitly religious terms, saying we must be good stewards of God's creation. Aside from Pelosi making climate change alarmist sound like a religion, there was the part where she spoke of the need to protect God's creation. But there are exceptions, of course, in 2014. Honored to receive the Margaret Sanger Award. <laughs> Fuck that one, huh? The Lisa Doom. For the same person that said we have to bill, pass the bill to see what's in it. Psst, nobody believes you, Nancy. Reed Wilson. Representative Brad Sherman plans to introduce articles of impeachment. It went nowhere. A race to be first. He's with California. Yeah. They rolled that fucker out quicker than fucking you can say whatever you want to say. I don't have an analogy. It's just funny. Then the House bill to end the government shutdown put $37.5 million back in for people to have abortions overseas because that's for the children. Democrats taking over House plan massive government expansion, higher taxes, while promising free everything for everybody. We'll get into Casio, but that fucking skankosaurus. Oh my God, Lord Jesus. We're talking single pair, the whole line, nine yards. Whole nine yards. Funding abortion. That was the most important thing. Fund abortion. Then Steve Cohn from motherfucking Tennessee. I don't know how the fuck this guy got elected. Introduces bill to eliminate the electoral college. Somebody asked, of course, when are they going to introduce an amendment to eliminate the House of Representatives? It's the only thing we haven't seen called to abolish recently. The Senate, Electoral College, the Supreme Court have all been nominations for the chopping block. Doug Powers. Alternate title proposed legislation is, instead of admitting Hillary Clinton was a lazy candidate, let's just trash the Constitution. Jim Jordan. We knew they couldn't help themselves. Sherman files article of impeachment. Cohn tries to do the Electoral College and abortion. He closes with, they seem more, more involved in stopping the wall than helping the country. And he's right. I mean, they give no fucks. No fucks. Then we get to the ugly Adam Best, who didn't back off this. Homophobe Mike Pence had a swear in Kristen Cinema, the first out bisexual senator in history, on a law book because she didn't want the Bible. He seems very uncomfortable, and she's having fun. When the whole world called him on it because he doesn't seem any different than anybody else, 
Seems like some people disagree about Pence being weird. But here's the thing. He's always weird. He's weird in interviews. And he's weird in that meeting with Chuck and Nancy. He's just weird. Kim Priestap sums it up. Stop being an anti-Christian bigot. He was kind and gracious. He didn't act different. But it's everything. It's just everything. These people are so fucking ugly. They were tweeting anything. If a fly would have came in. Oh, there's Bessabuzz, the devil, I can smell sulfur. Remember, they all jerked off to that when a foreign leader said George Bush smelled like sulfur in the UN. Yeah. But that's nothing compared to this Islamist, anti-American piece of shit. They got elected to Congress. Newly sworn in Democratic Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib under fire this morning for comments that she made calling for President Trump to be impeached. Listen. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won. Bullies don't win. And I no. said, baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there. We're going to impeach the mother. All right, we're back with David Gregory, MJ Lee, and Alex Burns. MJ, she knows that people are holding cameras up like this, taping it. So she's not, she, this wasn't like a hot mic moment. Right. This was a message. And I think that you can hear already that a lot of the freshman class is filled with vim and vigor, uh, as my euphemism for something else. And so will we see some flame throwing? I mean, is this a style that they're coming to Washington with that they think will be effective? I mean, probably. And, you know, particularly on the impeachment issue, yes, this is not the kind of language that we're used to hearing uh, from sworn in members on Capitol Hill. Uh, however, we do know that the issue of impeachment is one that people around the country uh, think about. And obviously, especially for the critics and people who are not supporters of the pre president, uh, they do get worked up about this issue. And uh, Democratic members who are running for office or are already in politics, uh, they know that this is an important way to sort of rally the base and is a way to get uh, supporters excited. And I think it's not a mistake that a new member of Congress on the very first day on the job uh, would talk about this issue. I don't know that using that kind of language is necessarily advisable. But yes, expect members of Congress to be talking about impeachment sort of nonstop for the next year. It was not without controversy, though. Congresswoman T Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, the first Palestinian-American member of Congress, blasting the president overnight. First in an op-ed she co-authored in the Detroit Free Press, writing in part, quote, the time for impeachment proceedings is now. And later at a party where she was caught on camera, apparently using an expletive to talk about the president. Maybe they don't, because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the Now, we reached out to Congresswoman Tlaib's office about that video of her talking about impeachment and so far no response, Savannah. Some members want to go further and vote on articles of impeachment against the president. This was new Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib at a gathering last night. We're going to go in there. We're going to impeach them all. Last night at a reception for MoveOn.org, um, one of your new members, Rashida Tlaib, who is newly elected congresswoman from Michigan, um, used some colorful language to talk about what um, would happen to Donald Trump, to the president, saying, quote, we're going to go in and impeach the mf -er. Your reaction to that comment? 
I'm not in the censorship business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that, uh, I mean, I don't like that language. I, I, I wouldn't use that language. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, establish any uh, language uh, standards for my colleagues. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's anything worse than the president has, what the president has said. I don't think we should make a big deal of it. I really yeah. don't. Okay. I really don't. That's probably the way people talk. Nancy Pelosi's response, pitch perfect? I thought so. I, I think. Watching your reaction. Yeah, no, recognizing the, the right to free speech and express oneself. And I think, you know, the temperament starts from the top. I've said this all along. The president sets the agenda and the tone. Well, and in fact, you could argue if you were in you know, Rashida Tlaib's shoes that the Muslim ban and a lot of other things oh, yeah. the president's done even before he was elected. Absolutely. So offensive. Absolutely. Which I think is what Nancy Pelosi was certainly alluding to. No apology tonight from a newly sworn-in congresswoman who declared overnight we're going to impeach President Trump, though she called the president something we cannot repeat. Tonight, the president has now responded, and so has Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Freshman Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib today getting her first taste of the intense Washington spotlight. Stand by your comments from last night. Refusing to answer questions about this video and her profane promise to go after the president. Democrats cringed. I mean, I don't like that language. I, I, I wouldn't use that language. I think those kind of comments do not take us in the right direction. Republicans pounced. Is this the behavior that we're going to find with this new majority party? Can we ask you about the reaction to your comments? Tlaib, a normally outspoken mother of two, decided today that she had said enough. But Tlaib pushing impeachment on day one, even before the Mueller report, prompting a barrage of Republican backlash. How do you work with anybody if this is what they really have planned? Using foul language, they introduce that they just want to impeach the president. And some Democrats warning it could backfire. You know, we can play the what if game. What if this had happened under Obama and a freshman Republican member of Congress on the first day of the job had called Obama a mother effer? You know, it would be a big deal. I mean, it is it, it, it is something worth pointing out. Absolutely. I mean, it's stupid. It's wrong. It it creates all kinds of problems for Democrats, uh, for people who go after the crudeness and the crassness of President Trump. And unfortunately, those adjectives are uh, are warranted, uh, given the way he's expressed himself. Uh, It certainly doesn't excuse it on the other side. And this is this is an indication of the problem that Nancy Pelosi and and Democratic leaders have both stylistically but also substantively because there is a lot of energy to come in you've been elected let's overturn what's going on let's impeach the president you don't know if there's any grounds for that david actually i will note that people on twitter liberals particularly don't even like that we're suggesting there's something wrong with with representative to saying they should impeach the mother blanker people are saying it was just locker room talk why are you reading things, david uh, it's interesting but, but david You know, if someone had said this about your former boss, President Obama, if a Republican member of Congress had said that about President Obama, it would have been a big deal. It would have been a big deal. And I don't think it was the right thing uh, to do. But there were members on the Republican side who who did things Mm -hmm. like that uh, and were called out for it. Uh, Look, I I think impeachment, this has been a long running debate within the Democratic Mm -hmm. Party. I think impeachment can't be uh, a kind of casual political. So her tweets, I will always speak truth to power. This is not just about Donald Trump. This is about all of us in the face of this constitutional crisis. We must rise far, far left resistance, Islamist linked to the Muslim Brotherhood. She is just a horrible human being. So I wasn't shocked by this. But as you heard, I was kind of shocked 
by the media, just kind of giving her a pass. I mean, he says worse. Never call anybody a motherfucker. Damn sure, as this next person said, never told, you know, said Obama was a motherfucker. Antonio Zuzuta. She says that about the President of the United States, the leader of the free world, who is constitutionally elected by the citizens of the U.S. This is a lack of complete respect to the laws of the sovereign country. Shame on her. This is what we have allowed our country to accept by being silent and apathetic for all these years. We cannot afford to be silent any longer. Stand, vote, demand better. Um, according to accounts from multiple parts, this is from CNN. A new congressman made a sharply worded pledge. New day. Newly sworn and represented Blas under under fire for controversial comment. Adam Best. We'll stop saying motherfucker when motherfucking Border Patrol stop letting kids die and Flint has clean motherfucking water and teens stop motherfucker motherfucker. House Democrat. Well, she to leave. We're going to impeach the motherfucker. I, I just, I, I don't understand. How is that okay? How are you good with this? I mean, it's not even that. She's now saying you shouldn't have sex with your man. Foul mouth, damn rep wants women to stop having sex with their husbands. To leave, women should boycott having sex with men in relation for an abortion restriction bill that passed the state house because you started in the state. But don't have sex. I can read hundreds of articles. Chris Saliza got destroyed. But here's the thing: what Dalib did on Thursday night might feel good for Democrats. It might make them feel as though they're re- regaining some of the fire and the feel of of uh, 2016. But it's almost certainly is the wrong strategy. If they want to beat them in 2020, lefties just ignore CNN. You guys are doing this. You're doing that. You're a horrible motherfucker. Blah, blah, blah. But then Kristen Powers. This is, if you want an example of TDS, this is TDS. This is what happens to you when you hate somebody so bad, anything goes. I just want to say about this kerfuffle over the use of a word that we can't say on TV is, you know, this was said actually at a private party. Somebody recorded it on a cell phone. It wasn't really meant to be out in public, whereas there's there's a, you know, a video of Donald Trump speaking at what looks like a campaign rally using the exact same word and nobody really cared. And I, I actually, care, I don't remember that. I don't remember he like used, everybody. He used the F word at, no, a, the at, MF, a, at a rally. The MF word, MF? same exact word, yeah. And I don't remember it being quite the what, what this is. And I will say, like, I'm consistent because I actually think the least offensive things that Donald Trump has done is used the MF word. Like, to me, that is literally the least offensive thing he has done. I am far more offended by the way he talks about Muslims or the way he talks to NFL players who are kneeling and the way that he attacks people and the way that he degrades people and the way he bullies people. So there actually is a consistency. You know, the point is, she said this at a campaign private party. Okay. Her tweets... 
Respectfully disagree with my colleague Saliza. He says people don't hold Trump to the same standard that they hold other politicians to. Therefore, he argues Talib and thus Dams will be punished for the profanity. But the reason she's treated differently matters. Where were the shrieking headlines when Trump said the same words she used? We need to be clear, and there's a major double standard here. White man could curse, but if a woman, especially, oh, there we go, Muslim, she will be punished. Also, let's not take complaints from the religious right about Talib seriously when they use care, could care less about DJT. Actually, one more thing. My ultimate point is that the media is covering this needs to not act like it's just a mystery that Talib is being dragged, but everyone shrugs when Trump. Don't participate in dragging her for something Trump gets a pass on. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. In her audio... She says, you can't do that for private recordings. What the fuck was grabber by the pussy? What was 47%? I didn't see you having problems with that. I don't see anybody having problems. That was the defining moment, the, the media said, of those campaigns. Because they're working so hard to get lefties elected. But now, for Dems, it's a private moment. Just like Kevin Spacey, private moment. Just like fucking uh, Alec Baldwin. Private moment. He does such good things. Dude from Minnesota, from SNL. Oops, private. But then there's articles that Dems are pissed off. Politico did a long one, not going to read it, that this is too much because you're just you're just tipping your hat. I mean, they didn't stop him from doing a goddamn bill or resolution to impeach the president on exactly what? Nobody knew. Then Chad Pergam, I asked Pelosi if she leaves the Capitol from White House meeting on government shutdown and she'll speak to Tlaib. Tlaib used when discussing Trump. Pelosi responds, I'm going to talk to the president about it. His life, his language. Now, do you remember the ending show, 2018, CNN big with the whataboutisms? So is whataboutisms back good now, Chris Cuomo? We can whataboutisms. Then to make it worse, in her office is a Palestinian sticky note over Israel. The state of Israel doesn't exist. Understand, that tweet went up the next day. It was gone. It wasn't deleted by the user. Washington Post. What's wrong with motherfucker? Whole article. ABC. Opinion. Congresswoman Tlaib should apologize for cursing at Trump, but here's why. Matthew Dowd wrote this. These are the responses. First, you should apologize for this op-ed. And yes, I know I'm contributing to the ratio. 1% of the people all share this opinion. We already took a poll. Get a grip, man. ABC News should apologize to Americans for electing Trump. Okay. Not reading the rest. They fucking drug him hard. Just drug him hard. But isn't this what about is this? Is this going back to what I talk about? That under Obama, you're disrespecting the office of the President of the United States? That's bad. Is it not? A lot of great tweets are out there. Hey, can we say that about the Dem president? He's a motherfucker. Because if motherfucker's fair game, I'm all about some motherfucker. 
It's not the word. It's not the word. It is the fucking hypocrisy. If somebody would have said motherfucker, they would have been impeached from their office if it was towards Obama. Impeached. There would be a recount election. There'd be a fucking referendum. What the fuck I'm trying to say right now because I can't get the words out of my mouth. That motherfucker would be gone. Even if it was a woman. If it was Tim Scott, a minority, he'd be fucking gone like Donkey Kong. Stonewall Jackson sums up this whole fucking thing. First 24 hours, Democrat-controlled House has seen a bill to expand abortion, a bill to impeach president, a congresswoman saying I'll impeach the motherfucker, and now a bill to eliminate the electoral college. And a senator refusing to put her hand on the Bible. This is actually good news. Yes, there is an insane part of their base that agrees with all that. But there's also Democrat voters who cringe when they hear impeach the motherfucker and don't support destroying America as we know it. Allow them to show who they really are, and I know what you're thinking. How can they not know? It's obvious. Yes, to you and I, it's very clear. But many voters are not political. They don't follow politics, and they simply vote Democrat because that's what they're always done, and that's what they're told by the media. We need them to learn who they voted for, not to mention the swing voters and independents who politicians try to go win over in the election cycle, impeach the motherfucker, doesn't win over swing voters. It chases them away. You know what the funny thing is? Even if they did eliminate the Electoral College, Trump would win the popular vote. He didn't try to win the popular vote. He didn't campaign in places like New York and California, where most of the people are. Also, it was proven that the 3.5 million more registered voters than there are people of voting age in America. Almost the exact number Hillary won by. Any part, I really don't think that's part of it, but the point is, this is who they are. This is all they got. Big government, tax the fuck out of you, go right back to what Obama did. Let them do it. Let them try to impeach Trump. It won't happen because the Senate will block it. Let them. Let them. Evan Kilgore, yesterday recap, two anti-Semitic women, Muslim women sworn into Congress, one on Koran, a socialist all sworn into Muslim Democratic Congress would call Trump a motherfucker, Dems introduced a bill to eliminate the Electoral College, Pelosi said she's equal to the President on the Constitution. Yeah. And then we have Ocasio. Benny, this short Alexander Ocasio clip has it all. Advocates, or advocates, 70% income tax, for tippy tops, income earners, eliminate all fossil fuels, elimination of all carbon emissions, force all Americans to drive electric cars, compare yourself to Lincoln, freeing the slaves. But then she went on 60 Minutes. So here is Ocasio. And tell me this is who you want to be your representative. You're talking about zero carbon emissions, no use of fossil fuels within 12 years? That is the goal. It's ambitious. And How is that possible? You're talking about everybody having to drive an electric car? It's going to require a lot of rapid change that we don't even conceive as possible right now. What is the problem with trying to push our technological capacities 
to the furthest extent possible. This would require the raising taxes. There's an element where, yeah, there, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Do you have a specific on the tax rate? You know, you look at our tax rates back in the 60s, and when you have a progressive tax rate system, your tax rate, you know, let's say from zero to $75,000 may be 10% or 15%, etc. But once you get to like the tippy tops, uh, on your 10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70%. That doesn't mean all $10 million are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. What you are talking about, just big picture, is a radical agenda compared to the way politics is done right now. Well, I think that it only has ever been radicals that have changed this country. Abraham Lincoln made the radical decision to sign the, the Emancipation Proclamation. Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the radical decision to embark on establishing programs like Social Security. That is radical. Do you call yourself a radical? Yeah, you know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. There are people who say you don't understand how the game is played. Mm -hmm. Do you? I think it's really great for people to keep thinking that. You want folks to underestimate you? Absolutely. People? That's how I won my primary. <laughs> you don't talk about President Trump very much. No. Why? No. Because I think he's a symptom of a problem. What do you mean? The president certainly didn't invent racism, but he's certainly given a voice to it and expanded it and created a platform for those things. Do you believe President Trump is a racist? Yeah, yeah. No question. How can you say that? When you look at the words that he uses, which are historic dog whistles of white supremacy, when you look at how he reacted to the Charlottesville incident where neo-Nazis murdered a woman versus how he manufactures crises like immigrants seeking legal refuge on our borders. It's, it's night and day. In response, the White House Deputy Press Secretary told us Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez's sheer ignorance on the matter can't cover the fact that President Trump supported and passed historic criminal justice reform and has repeatedly condemned racism and bigotry in all forms. You're talking about zero carbon emissions, no use of fossil fuels within 12 years? That is the goal. It's ambitious. And How is that possible? You're talking about everybody having to drive an electric car? It's going to require a lot of rapid change that we don't even conceive as possible right now. What is the problem with trying to push our technological capacities to the furthest extent possible. This would require the raising taxes. There's an element where, yeah, there, people are going to have to start paying their fair share in taxes. Do you have a specific on the tax rate? You know, you look at our tax rates back in the 60s, and when you have a progressive tax rate system, your tax rate, you know, let's say from zero to $75,000 may be 10% or 15%, etc. But once you get to, like, the tippy tops. Uh, on your 10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70 percent. That doesn't mean all 10 million dollars are taxed at an extremely high rate, but it means that as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. What you are talking about, just big picture, is a radical agenda compared to the way politics is done right now. Well, I think that it only 
has ever been radicals that have changed this country. Abraham Lincoln made the radical decision to sign the the Emancipation Proclamation. Franklin Delano Roosevelt made the radical decision to embark on establishing programs like Social Security. That is radical. Do you call yourself a radical? Yeah, you know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. One of the criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios oh my goodness. for uh, misstating some statistics about Pentagon spending. If people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. But being factually correct is important. It's absolutely important. And whenever I make a mistake, I say, okay, this was clumsy. And then I restate what my point was. Um, but it's, it's not the same thing as the president lying about immigrants. It's not the same thing at all. My favorite part. I may be wrong, but I'm morally right. Okay. Yeah, that works. Okay. That's probably how she got her college degree. Well, you're right. You're on the right side of history on everything because you're super uber lib socialist. So I'm just going to give you a passing grade because I like you. That's her whole life. She's a kid. She doesn't know any better. And then you have fucking uh, one of the Castro brothers. He wants 90%. Washington Examiner, Julian Castro cites 90% tax on rich and defending Ocasio. They should pay 90%. They're rich. They can live on the rest. Let them. Let them do all this shit, man. It is what you, the listening audience, and I already know. These are what these people are. They're socialists. They hate America. They don't want police. They want no ice. They want illegal immigrants all over the place because it's a voter screen scheme. They want to take your fucking guns because that just makes sense to them that they can control you better if you don't have a fucking gun. With their Gestapo, I guess, because they've just disbanded everything. We wouldn't have a defense. We'd have single pair. Your intestines are hanging out. Here's a Motrin. That's who they are. Let them do it. Let them play all the cards. It's the best thing that can happen. Because people got caught up in the moment. They didn't win because of zealots. They won because people got caught in the moment. A young millennial. She's a Muslim woman. I'm a liberal. And then they start doing this kind of shit. And you go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we're going to run the presidency pretty soon. Now, most, you know, the far left, they're hypocrites just like the media. They will forget this and go, how can you call the president a motherfucker? Well, and then the moment you say, well, you know, you let Tlaib do, oh, it's whataboutisms. Or even worse, well, he is, Don Lemon would say. I mean, that's just who these people are. So that's the Pelosi section. The House is now democratically controlled, and nothing they did in the first few days was anything for America. It was all for the party. I do believe when the Republicans took over the House during Obama, the media, media criticized it. As we get into our hypocrisy section, we'll find out 
That's not what they did here. So here's a compilation of the new Speaker of the House, the history-making, second-time history, made history again, history, 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 Nancy Pelosi, to a music break, and back in on the other side to hate tweets. Next tape, please. Spectroanalysis tape, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I was taking notes. <laughs> I was taking notes. As we have St. Patrick's Day lunch, we can have a, a common a moment of uh, of um, what? Kim Jong Un's been uh, celebrating their. Uh, ICBM launch with some uh, cultural performance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wondered, uh, you know, you live in... The investigation that, uh, not the, what are we calling that? Spe- uh, special counsel Mueller. It's beginning. Our goals had been to increase, cov- uh, improve, ben- lower cost, improve benefits, and enlarge, expand, haven't seen a budget, we've seen, uh, what do they call it, an outline, blueprint, Minnie Mouse budget, I don't know. Almost as though they were irrational, drug. Congresswoman, uh, uh, Beatty is on the Foreign, uh, Financial Services Committee and they had issues of moral, of uh, mutual concern. Not even a theory, gentlemen? Director of National Intelligence or the NRA person that um, uh, that that uh, they should not. It raises questions that need to be answered in a definitely not drugs or intoxication. It is afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm honored this morning or now afternoon. Could be some form of space madness we've never heard of. <laughs> but it would have to be caused by something. Went into the meeting, you know, there was two of us and what, five of them or something, the president, the vice president, and three, uh, uh, no, four, Mitch, excuse me, Republican leader, the speaker, uh, the majority leader, and... Have the department heads meet me on the bridge. Sulu, prepare to move in on the Romulan investment. Ship to ship, Mugura. Put this on the screen. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Be claiming my time. 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 We think that the sanctuary city makes us safer in our experience. In fact, I heard today, and I don't know if it's true, but somebody said the whole state of California is thinking about becoming a sanctuary state. I know that brings a smile to your face. Let me just interrupt. God bless the United States.
of America. Thank you. I think I skipped a couple of pages. at the media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping.
Thank you to that geezer over there, Adam. He said, he said, uh, he said, I've got to find somebody who can who can be absolutely charisma-free and reviled by everybody. So he went, that's got to be Bale in it, you know. Thank you, and uh, for all the competition, I will be uh, cornering the market on uh, charisma-free. What do you think, Mitch McConnell? Next, that could be good, wouldn't it? Um, uh, Thank you to uh, Satan for giving me inspiration on how to play this role. Yeah, that was fucking Batman, Christian Bale, talking about Cheney. Everything goes on the left. You can say whatever you want. You know, I missed it on the last part, but I really just want to make, make sure where I see this going. We're going to be them pretty soon. We're going to say some horrendous shit. And I would not be surprised if there's not some protests. We're not talking right-wing fucking supremacy shit. The Tea Party is going to come back. But it won't be political Tea Party. It'll be normal people in the street going, I'm done. I'm done with you people. You're fucking children. You know, as much as the media has picked apart the House and Senate under conservative control, fighting with Obama. This is what the Dems want to do. They just want to spend your money. Now, I know Trump's under the budget increased. I'm not saying it didn't. But what they want to spend it for is the same thing. It's not spending. It's redistribution. If they get the Senate and they get the White House... You're going to get carbon taxed on your car. You watch. And I thought about it the other day because these people don't have cars. They, they don't understand that you need a car because you live in a rural area. You live away from your work. They just catch cab, take subway, and they think that's what you should do. Oh, we'll put it in and tax you for that too. So, yeah, that's coming. Matt Dowd, I have a novel idea before folks dismiss candidates as unelectable or not likable or not. Ready? How about we let them run, advocate their vision, and let's see who is revealed in the bright lights of presidential primary process. Somebody responded. So basically let the media filter for you, and you will continue to bleat for them like the sheep you are. And my favorite. What's he saying? He blocked me a long time ago, which is what everybody said. Nobody can read his tweets because he blocked everybody. Dowd's, Dowd's response to uh, Kurt, I'm fluent in over 6 million forms of communication. I still can't fathom what the fuck Matt Dowd is jabbering about. So he said, tell me what Fox News said today. I don't have time to think. Matthew, tell me what broad brush means. I don't have a time to think. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Then there's Brian Seltzer. Fox 8 p.m. show parroting Trump's putting a racial slur right on the screen. This is beyond embarrassing. Pocahontas is his Disney character. It's not a racial slur, you fucking moron. And she's been proven to be a liar. But as we will see, even Meet the Press didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. They didn't didn't care. Washington Post op-ed, contributor chants death to America, reports say. And it sounds a little something like this. 
doesn't even surprise me, surprise me a bit. His name is Mohammed Al-Hothi, a leader of the Hothi movement. The Washington Post released a game of space to write an op-ed about peace. He is shown in videos with little boy soldiers in foreign countries. 52-millimeter machine gun. Yeah. That's good. What is it with leftists thinking women have to be nasty or unlikable to succeed? Seriously. Remember how proud Hillary Clinton and Elizabeth Warren were to be nasty women? Not that it did either of them any good. Well, now Ego Hogue, president of NARAL, wants women to be unlikable. Eho Hoga, whatever the fuck her name is. Since unlikable is quite obviously a synonym in politics for strong, bright, and passionate women, let's all be unlikable. Strong, independent women, aisle. Cat food, wine, cat toys, meals for one. <laughs> Other ones sent are a bunch of synonyms. Foghorn, Langhorn. I think. These are the actual synonyms and the pretty much described modern feminist, which is true. But it's that yeah, girl shit. It, it is so rampant with every woman who goes out and does horrible things that men do, they give them a pass. And I stare at it and go, well, how is that possible? H- how can you get away with that? How? How, how, how? I mean, if you want equality, you take equality for playing big boy sports, folks. You don't get a pass like Elizabeth Warren lying forever. But I digress. Sarah D. Wire. Feinstein says she supports Joe Biden for 2020 and notes that Camille Harris is brand new. Old people like old people. News at 11. That's the only one I'm going to read. She was crushed. Crushed. NFL ratings rise 5%, so says the Hollywood Reporter. The NFL stopped a two-year rating slide and increased its audience across all broadcast windows during the regular season, which ended Sunday. Nobody wanted to say it, but Clay Hansen did, or Clay Travis, excuse me. NFL ratings up 5% this year. Congrats to ESPN, Fox, NBC, and CBS for finally realizing nobody wants woke football. Far left-wing politics mixed with sports is always a loser. Most of the liberal things like Bleacher Report, they're saying, oh, everybody's saying it's broke because of this, that, and the other thing. Well, it increased, motherfuckers. Because that's all the left's doing now. Everything's a motherfucker. Rachel Maddow, all three CIA directorates will now be headed by women. Stephen Miller, just like The Handmaid's Tale. The left... I love your work, but truly and respectfully, I couldn't care less if this person run the show was male, female, black, white, ethnic, straight, or LGBTQ. After two years of the toddler and the mess work in front of us, we need brains, dedication, and truth, not tortures and scandals. I would normally champion such a move, but they are Trump appointees. Then Ben Shapiro. This is a tweet on New Year's Eve by G- Jeremy D. Boring. He was talking about Don Lemon and Brooke Baldwin. Listen to the tweet. Even better, coat with melted butter, salt, pepper, paprika, and a dash of Worcestershire. Sear it in a cast iron and bacon grease for 30 seconds or until brown. Then throw them away and burn your face off with a hot pan because even that would be better than Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Wasn't talking to lemon. 
Ben Shapiro. This is legitimately the most insane Twitter suspension I've heard of. My business partner, boring, was just suspended for 12 hours for this tweet. Why? Because it was supposedly promoting encouraging self-harm. It's a joke about Brussels sprouts. It appears Ben Shapiro, business partner, was suspended because he gave instructions on how to cook Brussels sprouts. We're likely... Here's likely what happened. Some motivated moron decided to flag the tweet and send it to Twitter, and Twitter doing their typical bang-up job of banning conservatives before asking why, just hit the suspend button without a second thought. Seems Twitter is a tad persnickety about how people talk about Brussels sprouts. Yes, everything's stupid. You're welcome. For me, I'm just happy that Twitter stepped in to prevent what surely would have spayed a suicide attempts from people attempting to burn off their faces with a frying pan. For those who are considering suicide by hot frying pan, here's a phone number. By the way, if you want to save lives, you may want to fix this idiotic suspension quickly before we all die of laughter. Johnny John. And I was about to sear my face with a hot frying pan right after I ate those Tide Pods. Dude, never joke about Tide Pods. That will definitely get you suspended. Which is true. Yeah. Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin. You're a grown man who has wearing maxi pads daily to absorb bloody spewing from your anus. Nobody respects you. Now go ahead and be that little girl you've always been and your father has always been ashamed of and report me. David Rubin. Last week I reported this tweet just to see what Twitter subjective rules. They did not disappoint. They didn't do anything about it. Then there was a second banning. 15 hours being locked out of his Twitter account. Twitter restored access to colleague Nick Fondarko's tweet account. Twitter did not delete the tweet that they had previously claimed was a violation of hateful conduct. In an email from Dakaro, Twitter stated in part, We apologize for inconvenience, but after reviewing your account, it looks like we made an error. Here is the post. Nick Farrar was suspended for Twitter after posting a tweet with a story criticizing Don Lemon. The story's question described Lemon as salivating over Nancy Pelosi becoming Speaker of the House. The tweet read, fresh from his drunken CNN New New Year's Eve bender, Don Lemon salivates over Nancy Pelosi. They said they did it under the promoting violence against threatened or harassed other people on race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. Because I guess salivating means something. But then they point out that everybody talked about him being lit. Brooke Baldwin said drunk Don Lemon. They didn't get banned. They were okay. Huh. That's really interesting. Then you have this blue check. There are 282 Democrats and 243 Republicans in Congress and POTUS and V. POTUS. Mainstream media acts that the Democrats should all be held accountable for everything every Democrat says, and Republicans should be held accountable for nothing any Republican says. Bullshit. Unless Republicans start being held accountable for whatever racist, xenophobic, misogynistic, anti-Semitic, and he lists them all, and Trump, everybody's doing a disservice. My response, good God, man, and a con, as a con independent and in my 51st year on the planet, no GOP politician has not been held accountable for the KKK, David Duke, and Limbaugh. Dems want, went to racist churches, hung out with anti-Semites and terrorists and had servers and never had an answer for shit. But that's their new thing. That's their new thing. They are not accountable for anything. 
They're going to get away with it for the next two years. Well, Trump's president. When they accomplish nothing, Trump's president. Republicans can't do that. Ed O'Keefe. We come down to it again. An incumbent president already trolling potential opponents, in this case mocking Elizabeth Warren, Native American heritage. The world, of course, said she's not Native American, but this is the CBS reporter. Article comes out, Elizabeth Warren compares scrutiny of her Native American ancestry to birtherism. And this is all after it's been proven she's not a fucking Native American. But that's okay. So, our tweet of the day, before we go into Sean King and racial profiling that's okay in the media, because it's white guys... Trump did something that I just thought was hilarious. I don't think he made it. He retweeted it. Ben Shapiro said, yes, Crystal. No, owning the libs is worth the degradation of the politics, especially since Trump is fat, losing to the left and destroying a decent and elevated conservatism. And Shapiro just said, shut the fuck up. Lighten up, dude. It's a joke. Warren, 2020, it's a wannabe Obama logo. Instead, they did Warren 1 slash 2020th. <laughs> but, so I don't cover it again. Literally meet the press. I just want to say it one last time. Never covered it. He ran it as, are they under different scrutiny because they have a vagina? That's literally what he did. And it made me think, and I'm fucking up the tweet of the day. If everybody's not supposed to have a gender, and gender is a construct, why does the media defend women so hard? Because they're not women. They're unics. We're all unics. That's what they say on one hand. But during a political season, it's always women are treated differently. And women's rights. And women, women, women. And me and my wife had a whole conversation on it. So I'll make that the fucking tweet of the day. How can it be both ways? How can you have women's rights, the need for Me Too, and all this shit, when you're on the other hand saying there is no race, or excuse me, gender? It's a construct. We're all exes. I can be a woman if I just think it. The left is so confusing. To Sean King. now a heartbreaking start to the new year for a Texas family after police say a man randomly killed a seven-year-old little girl pictured right here. Today, new clues are helping track down little Jasmine Barnes' killer. When the shooting happened, she was just in her car with her mother, who we're going to hear from live in just a moment. But first, I want to go to CNN's Nick Valencia uh, with all the details on this manhunt. Nick? Just a heartbreaking way to start the new year, as you noted, Pamela. This family grieving the loss of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes and what the sheriff is calling an unprovoked shooting. And here's what we could tell you about who they're looking for. Uh, the suspected gunman is said to be a white male in his 40s uh, who had a beard and was driving a red pickup truck. And that's according to witnesses. 
witnesses. Uh, we don't have any other details beyond that. The sheriff is asking the public to check their own surveillance footage, and they're asking also to take a look at the image here on your screen to see if you recognize this red pickup truck. Uh, what we could tell you, the shooting happened on Sunday as the family was leaving a Walmart in the Houston area. Jasmine Barnes, seven years old, was with her three siblings as well as her 30-year-old mother. Uh, two of her siblings were uninjured in the shooting. One of them did suffer some cuts from some shattered glass, uh, was hit by that, and the mother uh, also suffered some injuries. She was shot in the arm, and uh, the sheriff emphasizing that this family did nothing wrong in any way, and they're trying to figure out any other details they can to catch this uh, suspected shooter, Pamela. I mean, it's so senseless. Uh, yeah. Nick Valencia, thank you so much. I replayed this moment in my head over a million times to see, did I cut this man off? Did I make a wrong turn in front of him? Did I stop him from getting out of the Walmart for whatever he was doing? Did I do anything wrong to cause this man to fire shots in my car? And I did it. I didn't do anything. I didn't make a wrong turn. I didn't get over in his lane. I didn't do none of that. He fired off at us for no reason. None. That was a news report and the mother of a child that was killed. And I want to make sure before I start this segment, the death of a seven-year-old kid, white, black, pink, gay, straight, I don't give a fuck, is horrendous. The purpose of this segment Sean King, a liar about his race, a liar about his plagiarism, started something that if you did it for a black man, you would be excoriated, it would be all over the news. And as you'll see by the ending of this segment, which won't be that long, the media dropped it like a fucking bad taco. January 1st, all hands on deck. A 40-year-old white man with a beard and a red pickup pulled up to 7-year-old Jasmine Barnes and her family near Houston Walmart and shot and killed her and injured others. I'm joining the search for a killer and have $25,000 reward. Need him now. The man who shot and killed 7-year-old Jasmine Barnes is used to was driving a maroon pickup and shot Jasmine and her family through the window of the truck. They believe he was white, at least 40 years old, and had a beard. First, let's find this truck, make and model. These are all... From Twitter feeds. I didn't make any of this up. Nobody's compiled this. I did it. Sean King. All hands on deck. 40-year-old white man. Barnes family. I'm 25,000. Michael Skolnick. CNN. She has a name. Seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes was murdered on Sunday in a Walmart parking lot. The suspect was a white-bearded man in 40s. Has not been caught. He's shot in her mother's car. Jasmine. Sean King has 35K. For info leads up to the rest. CNN breaking news. Authorities are hunting for a man who shot a car left to Houston. The suspect is described as a white male, 40s. The beard's gone. Then he repeats it again. He repeats this a million times. Listen, I have 35000 in cash. The person who turns in the murderer of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes. You can contact me confidentially, and I can give you the money without anyone knowing it was for you. Contact me at Sean King Gmail or at the Harris County Sheriff Department. Again, this isn't the first time that a black family was ambushed by an unknown white male. Exact same thing happened August 30th, 2017 to Avanta Williams and his girlfriend's grandmother. The previous shooter was a white male in a silver pickup, and he's still at large. Three, the shooting occurred in the exact same stretch of highway adjacent to the same Walmart in Humble, Texas off Loop 8 in Wallsville. 
Four, activists who pushed the Sheriff's Department to investigate the shooting after three months without action said at least one more similar shootings took place in the area not long before it. We have a bunch of white people lynching black people. That's the inference. Next tweet. Found an eyewitness who saw the shooter of Jasmine Barnes and chased down the shooter in his car. Listen to me. If you know this murderer, turn him in now before he gets you killed or causes you to be an accessory to murder. We will find him soon. Did you hear anything about white guy? Remember, the case is solved. I got all this. He didn't delete any of this. Update. I've now located several credible eyewitnesses with essentially new information. I've screened them and passed them to Sheriff HCSO. It's not enough, but give us many more details. Our award is now 50000 Amy Skinkin. I can't believe they haven't found this guy yet. Aren't there street cameras in the Walmart parking lot? They identified him from the start that narrowed it down so much. Whoever is protecting him is very bit as boring as he is. Rally on Saturday, funeral on Tuesday. We should not have to do this, is Sean King again. Any of this, but here we are. Our reward for the arrested killer of seven-year-old Jasmine Barn is now at 100000 Once again, no race. Thank you to DeAndre Hopkins, the Houston Texans, for not only expressing his heart about the murder, but also dedicating his upcoming playoff check to support the family. We love you, brother. When I see Jasmine Barnes' face, I see my own daughter. I'm quoting Obama because I didn't really research this shit, but I hate white people. Got it. Nick Valencia, Jasmine Barnes' favorite song was Wake Up in the Sky by Bruno Mars and Gucci. 1017. Her favorite color was purple. She loved to play dress and put her mom's heels on. She dreamed of being a teacher and would make her sister play school. Her killer is still on the loose today. Once again, not belittling that. Sad. Never should a seven-year-old be killed. Next, Sean King. I'm personally documenting and tracking at least 20 potential suspects. January 4th. Can someone please find me the link of this actual post on Facebook and connect me with the person who posted it? Are these the same trucks on the left of the man stealing a motorcycle days before Jazz's murder on the right? Is a truck from her murderer? It's a white guy. A black lady dimed him out. What more can you tell me about Robert Cantrell? He was arrested in Houston hours after Jasmine was murdered on another violent crime spree. We've had 20 people call and email us say he's a racist, violent asshole and has always been. Tell me everything you know. I want to pause for a second. If I posted a picture of a black man who just happened to get arrested around the time of a murder and called him a racist asshole, would I get away with that? I'm just asking for a friend. Twitter moment. U.S. celebs and activists band together to support family of slain Texas seven-year-old. Here's an example. Susan Sarandon. The murder of Jasmine Barnes is more than a tragedy. It's an inconsolable loss for the Barnes family. A loss which didn't need to happen. This violence is unacceptable. I'll send prayers to them and urge everyone the information to email. Two statements. I thought sending prayers was bullshit. Fuck your prayer, Susan Sarandon. That's what you say to us. Secondly, you fucked up Ray Donovan. Resign from the show. I fucking hate you. Then yesterday, around 3 o'clock, 
After an intensive week-long manhunt, Texas police have arrested a suspect in the drive-by shooting of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes. Authorities say the girl's death may have resulted from mistaken identity. Nowhere in there is the race. Do you notice that? CNN just omitted it. NBC supporters rally for justice for seven-year-old girl and killed in Texas shooting. It's going to be justice for her, and I feel at the bottom of my heart to the mother, Jasmine Barn, the child killed by gunman Sunday. WAPO, black seven-year-old slang as Houston on edge. Please just sketch, release a sketch of the suspect. I'm going to read these articles because we got the tweet. Somebody's been arrested, but this is all leading up to it. Gunman pulled along. The mother was driving four of her daughters, blah, blah, blah. The horrific killing in Houston is the second to last day of the year has drawn wide attention, blah, blah. Uh, Sylvester Turner and gained traction after being focus of writer and activist Sean King and civil rights lawyer Lee Merritt, who said they raised a hundred thousand in private fundraising effort for any information leading the suspect to rest. Gonna pause for a second. Do we do this for Chicago when you know it's black on black crime? Do civil rights lawyer, lawyers show up for that? Cause I'm thinking the black dead people that accidentally get shot by other blacks feel like it's a civil rights violation also, as they're bleeding out. Could be just me, though. Authorities describe the suspect as a white man in his 40s, bearded. Washington told reporters that he was a white man with blue eyes that was so skinny he looked sick. Daughter confirmed it. The roof. This is the man suspected suspected of killing seven-year-old. A picture of some random dude that looked just like the dude that they dimed out that was arrested. Same picture. Vice. Police are searching for a white male who shot and killed black seven-year-old in unprovoked attack. Male is 40s who killed a seven-year-old in open Harris County. They didn't put race in there, which was really interesting because maybe they knew this is bullshit. Then Twitter moment. 20-year-old male arrested. No race. Blaine Sean King offered 100000 to the arrest of the white man who killed this young lady. You ran the story for a whole week. Now that we know the man was not white, you have left out race of the killer. Cameron Gray. This guy, Merritt Law, along with a complete fraud, Sean King, let the MSM in a frenzy of stories about Jasmine Barnes and how white men are just out there killing young black girls. A black man admitted to her murder. How many people will go back and change their tweets now? These are just some of the things Merritt Law, this Esquire, civil rights, gotta get whitey lawyer. If we cannot properly address racial crimes, we will not be able to reduce them. Stop by the barbershop to get a cut. The topic of Jasmine Barn came up. A little girl in Houston killed by a drive-by. This is not what happened. A white terrorist ambushed a family, riddling their car with bullets and killing a seven-year-old girl without any provocation. There are no days off from being black. No holidays. Original tweet, Jasmine Barham was seven years old when an unidentified white man in a red pickup truck opened fire in a family car, striking her several times, killing her and wounding others. This man is still at yard. Wayne Dupree, who is African-American, will sum this up better than I can, because I'm a whitey, 
What the fuck do I know? Now an update to breaking news. We brought you at the top of the newscast. A man charged with capital murder and the death of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes. Yeah, it was exactly one week ago that she was shot and killed as she and her mother were leaving a Walmart. The suspect just appeared before a judge. And Channel 2's Taisha Walker is live in downtown Houston with the latest on the case. Good morning, Taisha. Sophia, good morning, and we're still going through what was said in court this morning, but I can tell you that Eric Black, that 20-year-old suspect, has been charged with capital murder of a person under the age of 10 years old. He made his first court appearance this morning. We do have video of him going before a judge wearing handcuffs and an orange jumpsuit. In court, we learned that Black was the driver and a man with the initials of LW is a suspected shooter and that Jasmine and her family were never the intended target and that the, the attempted Excuse me, the alleged um, shooter and Black were uh, not aware that they had the wrong car until watching the news. We are aware that deputies were able to take Black into custody yesterday with the help of a tip that came in through email. We also uh, know that the, the, the men were not in a red pickup as initially thought, that it was a different vehicle. Uh, let's refresh you that the shooting happened a week ago today on the East Sam Houston Parkway feeder road near Wallsville Road. We know that Jasmine was shot and killed. Her mother also injured in the arm when some men opened uh, gunfire on that vehicle. We are told that there were more than eight spent shell casings that were discovered within a 400 uh, feet radius of that shooting. We will continue to process this information. We can tell you that investigators plan to update the media later today at 2 p.m. We'll go through more uh, information that was said in court this morning and bring you an update in the 8 o'clock hour. For now, reporting live downtown, Taisha Walker, KPRC Channel 2 News. All right, Taisha, thank you so much. There's a lot to sort out, and we will sort that out for you as soon as we know more. But Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner is weighing in on the arrest. In a statement, the mayor writes in part, quote, this should serve as a warning to all violent offenders who prey on our community. The color of your skin or how much money you make, these things do not matter when law enforcement will find you eventually. The arrest comes after justice for Jasmine Rally. It was held yesterday in Northeast Harris County outside of Walmart near the crime scene. Community leaders spoke before the large crowd, prayed, and expressed sympathy for Jasmine's family. Jasmine's mother says she's grateful for everyone who has shown support for her daughter. I thank everybody, the celebrities, I mean, the, the people that's behind the doors that's doing things, the people that we don't even know about that's underground doing things. They're doing something, they making something move, man. And it is going to be just as well, and I feel it in the bottom of my heart. Jasmine's parents say they are focused on Jasmine's funeral and getting justice for their little girl. And here are more details on Little Jasmine's funeral. It is taking place on Tuesday at the Greenhouse International Church. A viewing will take place at 10 a.m. with the funeral set for noon. A balloon release will then follow. And we will continue to follow this case both on air and My bad. He just tweeted out. We are continually report. But he wrote this. Site and we'll send out push suspects arrest this death of seven-year-old Jasmine Barnes. Huge case, case of mistaken identity. Both suspects are black. And one has confessed to having been involved in the shooting. People need to calm down. Not everything is about race. 
This story is crazy in its highest form. I can understand the confusion of Jazz's mom and sisters in telling the officers what they saw during a tense moment. But once again, social justice warriors on social media platforms got it wrong. Not allowing the investigation to play out, saw many ambulance chasers blame the shooting on a white man and caused the community to raise, rise up and immediately reach for a racism card, not knowing the facts of the case or any pertinent information that could lead to an arrest. Apparently, there was a white driver in a red pickup driving to get away from the area, but he was not the shooter eric black jr 20 and larry woodward 24 are responsible for the shooting and claim it was a mistake as they were looking for someone else it was black on black crime it has been dropped off the face of the earth but down there in this town African Americans have been told now by the media, Sean King, and this S. Lee Merritt, there's white people going out lynching little black kids. They believe it. How is that right? How? And what does it say about the parents? I'm not going to be that easy on them. I I know it's horrible. I, I can never imagine my child being killed. But I guarantee you, if I did an interview with the police, because God forbid, I hate even to use this, I'm not going to do that because I I put bad karma on my grandkids. But if I had a child and it was killed, and I knew it was a black guy, because I wouldn't just make the, oh, it looked like a black guy. That's not who I am. I understand that was in the past. That's what used to happen. I got it. Modern day... No, not many people, it was just a black guy, knowing it was a white guy. People aren't going to do that. Racist will, but not the average American is not going to do it. If I did go in and say, sickly black guy, they would never air it. They would never air that. Because that's racial profiling. That's horrible. But we did it for a white guy. Twitter got riled. Twitter moments. I have yet to see a Twitter moment of a white person killed in a black shooting drive-by gang-related, Latino drive-by gang-related, pick your race other than white. It's not a Twitter moment. No celebrity is raising cash for the fucking trailer trash in some Kentucky city who lost their kid because of some gangbangers. You don't see that on Twitter. You don't see it on your national media. You see it on local. WAPO doesn't do articles. New York Times doesn't do articles. Nobody does articles. But when they can stir up racial animus in America and help Democrats get elected, they're getting out a fucking blender and stirring it the fuck up. I prayed for this family. I prayed for the fallen child. It's a fucking horrible story. I hated even covering it because I feel like a douche nozzle pointing out the obvious. None of this would happen if the kid was white. Nobody would have gave a fuck. Local news would have just touched it and walked away. Just would have gone off the pages. Nobody would have cared. And it happens all 
the fucking time. And nobody cares. To hypocrisy. Hypocrisy! Meanwhile, Chuck, this new congressional class, newly yeah. minted, is coming in real hot. Congresswoman <laughs> Rashida Tlaib, yeah. Democrat of Michigan, has came out and said at an event the other night, I, in fact, on the day she was sworn into Congress that the mm. president needs to be impeached, she added some descriptive language to go with that, a profanity. What is the tension here between this new class who, frankly, came in on a wave of progressives who want to see them take out oh. the president politically one way or another, and Nancy Pelosi, who's trying to sort of slow walk the idea of impeachment if it gets to that? You know, I'm having flashbacks to 2010 and the election of those Tea Party members and, the, and, and mm -hmm. how yeah. John Boehner, you know, would try to delay their demands for some of their crazy investigations on Obama, right, you know, and then they, it, it, but he would eventually cave, but he would always try to buy time by time. Look, I think Nancy Pelosi, here's what I took away from this week. I thought it was interesting that they all rushed to the microphones to condemn the sentiment more than the language. I think that was telling. But I will say this. I, I, look at what Congresswoman Tlaib said. She believes she has a mandate to go after and impeach him, that that's why she was elected. I think that's what is going to make it inevitable in my mind that we have impeachment hearings. I think Nancy Pelosi can hold off um, this for a while, but I don't think she can forever stop this train. And quickly, Kristen, what does Nancy Pelosi do to thwart this? She said, it's not the, yank right. the language I would have used, but it's nothing worse than the president has been saying. Well, that's right. And I think Nancy Pelosi doesn't think this is a winning issue for Democrats right now. Why? Because the Mueller investigation isn't finished. And so you're certainly going to continue to hear these new members of Congress talk about impeachment. It's hard to see that there's going to be any real movement on it, I think, until after we get that Mueller report. Um, but, of course, they're worried about a backlash and looking like they're more interested in politics and not actually governing if you're the establishment. But if you're some right. of these new members, it's what you campaigned on. It fires up the base. There are no mood for patience, these right. new members. Journalism has become a, a kind of perversion. It's become a joke. And the only way that we can circumvent the joke is through the power of cinema verite, to expose the imagery of our society. So that's what this book, American Pravda, is all about. You don't need to tell people what to believe, you just need to show them the truth. American Pravda, this is an important book. My fight for truth in the era of fake news. Read the book and see what he's doing. I think Project Veritas is succeeding now and will continue to in the future. Now, moving on to Twitter. James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, he released the secret tapes that he had made with current and former Twitter employees. 
And he has indeed blown the place up. One strategy is to shadow ban so that you have ultimate control. The idea of the shadow ban is that you ban someone but they don't know they've been banned because they keep posting but no one sees their content. Yeah, Twitter builds itself as the public town square and in this, today's video they're actually talking about looking at your private intimate messages between you and your girlfriend, your wife, and they're storing this on a database and they're sharing these messages, they're laughing at them, they're bragging about ruining relationships with these messages. Like you can bring tense. it to divorce court. That's what, they, that's what they say in the video, these engineers are on tape. I don't know how many people can speak in a personal capacity, it's become widespread now. I will tell you that your success speaks for itself. And I, uh, look, I look at it as a badge of honor that I'm hated so much, so I think you should too. The idea of a shadow ban is that you ban someone, but they don't know they've been banned. Uh, is that a practice uh, that, that occurs at Twitter? We contacted Twitter and asked if they do this. They replied this way, quote, Twitter does not shadow ban accounts. We do take action to downrank accounts that are abusive and mark them accordingly so people can still click through to see these accounts if they choose. In other words, they do shadow ban people. I got, I got people who are on drugs, and she five times was fired, and I got her job back five times. Listen, if you hit the kid, you hit the kid. It is what it is. But I don't want him coming here with a bunch of lies. I need to know the truth so that we can bend the truth. This file, oh, right here, this huge file. Oh, boy. <laughs> this file right here is from a teacher who had sex with a student. You know what this whole file is about? So far, two New Jersey Education Association presidents have been suspended as a result of the Project Veritas investigations. Project Veritas is uncovering the big labor scandal of the century. The NEA is a child exploitation criminal syndicate. Sweeney tweeted out this quote in the wake of online videos that appear to show teachers union officials suggesting teachers should not report assaults against students. I, along with at Senator M. Teresa Ruiz and Senator Madden, announced that the Senate Education and Labor Committees will hold joint hearings to look into this. Is this Veritas that did this is Guy O'Keefe? As a general matter, should we look at anything that endangers kids? Absolutely. But it's pretty, pretty uh, unappetizing and unacceptable stuff. These are kids' lives you're protecting. And uh, we appreciate your, your sharing this with us and the good work you do. Thank you very, very much. A new video is shining a light on what some people call a deep state operating in Washington. It is the latest in a series of videos from the group Project Veritas. It's impossible to fight it, but the first in a series and we're going to be following that very closely uh, but rest assured um, we're aware of it and we're taking a good look at it and now project veritas is back with a new video exposing what they say is the deep state a series of undercover videos now prompting a series of investigations within the government in this one a department of justice paralegal who also belongs to the democratic socialists of america seems to admit to using doj resources to help with her cause and joining with other employees to work against the Trump administration. And then there's a lot of talk about like, like, In another video, this man says he conducts DSA work while he's supposed to be working at the U.S. State Department. And here, a government accountability office employee says he does the same. I would get fired if they knew that I was, and I do. Yeah. 
Project Veritas, the group behind the video, says it's proof they're violating the Hatch Act. We now have word all three government agencies are investigating. The State Department saying it takes Hatch Act violations seriously. The DOJ calling the allegations deeply concerning and referring the matter to the Inspector General. And now the Government Accountability Office tells me it's done the same, saying the video raises some, quote, serious issues. Illegal voting will be investigated. This after Project Veritas released an undercover video. The video shows a Travis County poll worker saying that non-citizens can vote as long as they're registered. Governor Abbott tweeted he will call for an investigation into an accusation of voter fraud. I had a question for you. So let's just say my boyfriend was a dreamer, but he's registered to vote. He just needs his ID, right? The poll worker indicated if the woman's boyfriend was registered, he could vote despite the conflicting information she was getting. There are serious criminal penalties for somebody who's not eligible to vote. My view can't come through. It's the purest form of journalism to capture someone in their own words. My opinion is completely irrelevant. What matters is what is being exposed. And if it's real, that's all that matters. More power to the people who have agendas, as long as they're reporting the facts. Right. And it's real, and that's why we call it Veritas, the cinema verite. I already see I bit off more than I could chew with these sound bites. That was NBC so happy about the Dems taking the house and the 2018 review by Project Veritas, which was some really good shit. I was going to do a segment on it, but it's just so long I can't. I'm going to push my op-ed the next podcast. I'm not going to go back and redo the intro, but you'll hear the op-ed about school shooting and our culture in the beginning of the next podcast. Promise you. I got two back-to-backs. The border wall, immigration. Or did I combine those? Let me see how I, I did this, because it's it's a lot of shit. No, it's just immigration. I'm a, Now it's network border wall coverage and immigration coverage. The border wall is officials. The media completely ignored it. Then, great comments from MSBC guests about Americans followed on why California should get martial law that is beyond the pale. Their alliance with illegals is getting disturbed, but they are not the only ones. So I want you to hear these two things, because all week all you've heard from the media is the border wall is racist. The border wall is not moral, from Nancy Pelosi. Not moral. Boarding babies overseas, moral. Border wall, not moral. And then I'll run my, my suck. For a moment, oh so brief, the president talked about working with Democrats, but then his border wall. The controversial border wall. That controversial wall. The wall, is it a non-starter? But do walls really work? Do border walls work? Is it going to stop Mexicans from coming to the U.S.? Locals remain skeptical of the impact President Trump's wall will have. Some Latinos joke about the wall. But when you look at a wall, can't that just be overtaken by a drone or some other method of getting through more like who's going to pay for the artistically designed steel slats at the border mexico indirectly but how would you feel if hillary clinton supporters ran a campaign to tear down whatever wall you raise money for many asking why mexicans should have to pay for a wall they don't want some who live along the rio grande the natural border with mexico don't want a wall there are a lot of people on the nation that don't want the border wall. How do you wrestle with that? 
Ms. Garcia said she doesn't even support the president's border wall. And that was so interesting, Gail, because interesting. she's got a personal stake in this. They're running through her backyard. More than 60 human rights organizations along the border that oppose the wall. Dennis Nixon was one of the Trump campaign's top fundraisers in Texas, yet he opposes the wall. To those supporters who say the wall has to happen, that's why we voted, what do you say? They're wrong. Critics will tell you that when governments build walls, it's a sign that something else isn't working. He is the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. He's also a longtime Border Patrol agent out of the Tucson sector, and he's, he'd like to say a few words about the shutdown. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, once again, my name is Art Del Cueto. I am a vice president with the National Border Patrol Council. And I want everybody to take the time to understand what's going on. We are all affected by this shutdown. We have skin in the game. However, it comes down to border security. And we are extremely grateful to President Trump. And we fully support what he is doing to take care of our nation's borders, to take care of the future of this United States. It has nothing to do with political parties. You all got to ask yourself this question. If I come to your home, do you want me to knock on the front door? Or do you want me to climb through that window? We fully support the president and all his efforts to secure our nation's borders. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Hello, everyone. My name is Hector Garza. I'm the uh, vice president of the National Border Patrol Council. I am also a border patrol agent of the uh, Texas border. Um, I just want to talk about some of those criminals that border patrol agents apprehend on a daily basis. We're talking about murderers, rapists, uh, people that commit very serious crimes in this country. ICE has been doing an amazing job in deporting a lot of these people back to their countries. Unfortunately, once we deport these people, these people will not stay in their country. These criminal aliens that have been released from jail, that have been deported, will come right back into the United States. However, if we had a physical barrier, if we had a wall, we would be able to stop that. Again, we want to thank President Trump uh, for uh, advocating for Border Patrol agents. And again, we ask our congressmen to fund border security and fund the border wall. Thank you. So is she right, Rick, about the president's sure. motives here? This wall is just to keep his base's attention off everything D Don, else? The wall has always been a con for Donald Trump's credulous rube ten-tooth base. The wall has always been a scam. It has always been a lie. Nothing about the wall has ever been real, and Donald Trump knows it. He is, he is a guy who has a long history in his career as being a con man. He is conning these people who believe he's going to build a 2,000-mile, 30-foot-high concrete wall with laser moats and alligators in it. It's just crazy. It always has been. And yet they suspend their disbelief because they believe so strongly in Donald Trump. And this is, like I said, it's always been a con. It's always been a scam. It's an insult to their intelligence, but obviously it seems to work with his base because they believe it over and over again mm -hmm. that nothing will stop the brown horde except the wall. Yeah. Well, and the whole Game of Thrones thing, the wall didn't work in Game of Thrones. Don't just... <laughs> Right. He, shouldn't he know that? Walls with don't. the impaling spikes. With yeah. the impaling spikes. <laughs> uh, it's interesting because it's gone from a big concrete wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for with a with a big beautiful door in it, uh, to I guess fencing, to slats, to spikes on top, to whatever you want to call it. And the supporters will say, it's, "Okay, it's yeah." End with the. Go on. It's going to end with being a, a the, the freedom ditch. <laughs> 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 All right. But now ICE is the only 
law enforcement agency that cannot use our databases to find the bad guys. They cannot come in and talk to people in our jail uh, unless they reach a certain threshold. They can't do all kinds of things that other law enforcement agencies can do. And it's really put us in a, a very disgrace. bad position. Uh, it's, it's, it's a disgrace. And we're suing with that, and we're working hard, and I think it will all come together. Because people want it to come together. It's so ridiculous. The concept that we're even talking about is so ridiculous. We'll take care of it, Margaret. Thank you. Well, there could be an MS-13 gang member I know about. If they don't reach a certain threshold, I cannot tell ICE about it. Understand, I don't give a fuck of a million Mexicans, Costa Ricans, motherfuckers from Panama come in this country. What I care about is this kind of shit. Governor Cuomo pardons 22 immigrants facing deportation. Frees four convicted killers so they couldn't go to trial. trial and then go get the fuck out of there. Then this. My baby brother Pierce was tragically killed in Iraq in Knoxville on Saturday, December 29, 2018 at 6.33pm. He was hit on by a illegal immigrant who had no American citizenship, no license, no insurance. I'm making this profile in the hopes of sharing his stories. Within that, four other people, four other people said stories about their loved ones who've been lost. All the gang stuff I do, all the different people, my son, brand new car, drive off the lot, sideswipe, nobody had anything. Liberty Insurance, I love you, you saved his ass and said, we're going to give it to you anyway. Because there was one dreamer. Dad was driving. Police let him lie to save my son from having to pay for the rest of his life for a brand new fucking GTI pimped out, destroyed. It's not about race. If you listen to the, if you listen to them, nobody's come across, Pelosi said. Last pocket, 350,000. Stopped. Fit with what fit thirty five hundred in just the month of November. You have child trafficking. You have nar- fucking fentanyl coming in, marijuana, cocaine, MS thirteen, ISIS, terrorists have been apprehended at the border. You put it on the podcast. So you might not want the wall and you might want open borders. But you can't have my guns and let you have open borders. It's not happening. Because I'm going to defend mine. Just like everybody on the fucking border is doing. People in Arizona are so gun crazy because they have to deal with all these fucking illegals coming in from gangs. And starting up MS-13 cells in their fucking city. So yeah, immigration's important. And you know what? It's the number one fucking issue right now, Democrats. And it's not going your way. It's not open borders. It's we gotta stop this. And it's not because people are xenophobe. But it's not because fucking I have played on this goddamn show. Latina saying, motherfucker came in illegal. Go fuck yourself. Send them the fuck back. I came in, I paid for my visas, blop. As an American immigrant myself, whose lineage came over, went to Ellis Island, got a name change, because we weren't coke, by the way. 
they did it legally. That was back when WAPs were bad. Fucking people are dangerous. Then the entire world went crazy over Ocasio. Somehow, someway, somebody posted a video from a, a fucking login that doesn't exist on Twitter of her dancing. Vilifying Ocasio will backfire big time, says CNN. New York Times makes up far-right offense over Representative Ocasio's dance clips. None of it's actually conservatives. It's randos. Newsweek. Conservatives mock AOC for college dancing video. Blah, blah, blah. Nathan, son of Robert. Examples of conservative mocking AOC and story? Zero. Journalism is crap. I'm sorry, journalists, who I like get offended when I say this. But it is. I'll return the favor by not getting offended when you say bad things about my industry or party. Name one conservative. One. You can't. Let's get Blue Newsweek the benefit of the doubt here. Let's assume the account, now deleted, has distributed the video wasn't a burner account. That's one alt-right nut job. Newsweek offers no evidence of a second conservative in the article. I admit I made a tweet with much the same message of his article, but who are the conservatives indicated in your tweet? Jim Tretcher. No, conservatives are not angry about AOC. Dan Jordan was the guy. High school video of AOC was a guy. Congratulations, New York. That's dogging her? The person that did it was Anonymous 1776. Here is America's favorite commie. No, it's all acting like the clueless nitwit she is. High school video of Sandy. Here's the deal, because it's in the hypocrisy. You say Talib can't be held. All Democrats are not Talib. So because she, she called him a motherfucker, not all Democrats have to answer for that. But one nut job on Twitter makes fun of a, a teenage Ocasio from like three weeks ago, because he's so fucking young, and all conservative pounce. Criticize. Conservatives jump on it. But you don't do this. Ocasio-Cortez gets nasty with Steve Scalise. Your supporters threaten him. His response is perfect. Republicans, let America keep more of their own hard-earned money. Democrats, take away 70% of your income and give it to leftist fantasies. I put it down here because hypocrisy because of that. You're the majority whip. How do you not know how marginal tax rates? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a bitch. In the remarks, kick his cane, snipe him. Snipe his ass. Ocasio, hi AOC, happy to continue this debate on the floor of the People's House, but it's clearly not productive to engage here with some of your radical followers. Stay classy. She never addressed it. The media never addressed it. Addressed it. This is at least the third time I have brought up that Steve Scalise has been disparaged in those terms those twitter accounts are banned snipe him is still up snipe his ass is still up there and he literally was sniped by a motherfucking leftist nobody covers it nobody but trump says grabbed her by the i moved on her and grabbed her fucking junk and i've had people actually say that so you, you grab women's junk because I was arguing for a Trump thing. Not for Trump, for the cause, the wall, or whatever. 
That's fucking hypocrisy. New York Times, desperate paper links Trump County to child cancer. Not even gonna read it. That's Media Moan, fired coach victim of race, not their losing records. An African American and progressive white writers in full gripe mode. This season firing of five black head coaches, twenty one wins, fifty losses and a tie. It's not because they suck, it's because they're black. Okay. Can you admire Louis Farrakhan and still advance the cause of women? Maybe so. Life is full of contradiction. That's WAPO. It's good to go. You can run those articles. It's all good. It's fucking all good. Jesus fucking Christ. Armenia mass. Trump ego won't let him. Chuck Dodd. He's a dick. Mojo. Time to do the 25th again. We got to do the 25th. It's all about 25th. They all want goddamn West Wing to happen. Another CNS journalist gets Mike yanked for at re- asking the same question that was answered. CNN going to DEFCON 1 over something Trump did, and it's only fucking the 7th. We tried to impeach him, redo the Electoral College, impose the 25th, and it's the fucking 7th of January. This year's going to suck dick. After this, a music break and news. Social media nuggets. Enjoy. I'm going to take a couple extra blood pressure pills. But let me level with you since the start of a new year here. I thought about leading off this program with President Trump's insults against Democrats, his latest slur against Elizabeth Warren, his new ad blasting Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. But then I thought, that's precisely the problem. Framing Democratic policies and campaigns through Trump's shots and smears is one of the things that's wrong about political coverage. So let's start with a different kind of conversation today. Not about Trump, but about the Dems. Uh, Now that the Democrats have retaken control of the House, and Pelosi's uh, been all over television talking about that, and Warren has been on TV too, jump-starting the 2020 race in Iowa with a series of events. Are reporters repeating some of the mistakes made in 2016 already? Is sexism creeping into the coverage? I know all about the rights criticism of the press, but there's criticism from the left as well. And I wonder if you have critiques of how Dems are covered by the mainstream media. Well, I certainly, I, what I worry about is we're going to do what we did in 1516. I'm not blaming the media solely for what happened in terms of elevating Donald Trump in the minds of voters. But we certainly were engaged in that at a level I'd never seen before. And mm. we got really enamored of this quotable nonsense that, was, that he was engaging in. Trump also has a booster uh, network. Uh, he has booster outlets, cheerleaders that are unlike anything we've seen before in terms of the amount of coordination and collaboration that exists between the White House and these pro-Trump outlets. I mean, David Frum, is, is that the other part of this anti-Trump conversation we have to include? Mm. No, I think the, the, the question is a false premise. Relative to the truth, the prestige press in this country has a pro-Trump bias. Uh, relative to the truth, Trump gets easier coverage than he deserves. Um, the surest way onto the op-ed page of a prestigious paper is to come up with some angle to explain why something the president has done is less crazy or dangerous than it seems. The, the um, networks like this one are, uh, give a lot of airtime to people who normally should be, would be working for the home shopping network who wouldn't be on at all if they weren't oh, prepared to say ab- you can be, you can be nicer than that hold on a- you're absolute- saying that you're, you're saying no, that we are grading the, trump on a curve that the coverage is on a curve. speaker is the proper way to address nancy pelosi since she took command of the house of representatives this past thursday 
Just one day later, she took time to chat with us about the past and the future. I now call the House to order on behalf of all of America's children. Nancy Pelosi capped her comeback this past week, surrounded by children. The California Democrat elected, once again, the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. You've become the most powerful woman in American history. That's funny, isn't it? President Trump hasn't given you a nickname <laughs> that I know of. That I know of, though. And to me, it means one of two things. Either he doesn't regard you that seriously that you need a gotta cut her down nickname, or that he has some respect for you. Well, in either case, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> As the first woman elected Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi's place in history was already secure. But her defining role in history may lie ahead. If Hillary Clinton had won and Fourth Care Act would be safe, I would have been happy to go home. I have, I have options. You would there. have retired? Well, I don't know if I would retire. I, I would have gone home. Yeah, I mean, uh, I see my role as more of a mission uh, than job tenure. And when the mission is accomplished, then I can have that uh, satisfaction that when I was needed to get the job done, I was there to do it. Democrats don't appear to have any political incentive to somehow compromise with the president. And right now it's Republicans that are breaking ranks with the party. So, and I don't see how the president is somehow going to give in yet. That's just not his style. So I do think we're going to be here for a while. His ego is too much in the way here. He, he's talked about it himself. You know, he's like, I can't take a compromise deal like that. What, it'll make me look bad. And it reminds me, yesterday's press conference reminded me of the story about putting the frog in a pot of water, turning it to a slow boil, the, the frog not realizing what was happening, and pretty right. soon uh, it's at a full boil and the frog dies. Yesterday that frog found himself in a five-alarm fire looking at the movie poster <laughs> and all the other chaos strange. that was reigning around that White House. And yeah. again, if if... If, and it's a big if, if we had a cabinet uh, that was filled with people with more character, uh, so many that had character have been fired, and if we had a House and a Senate that took their job seriously, there would be people going up to the White House this morning saying, Mr. President, uh, questions abound whether you are fit for this office. That's right. If this continues, we are going to ask your cabinet to take a vote on whether you were fit for office and invoke the 25th Amendment. <laughs> if you had seen any president, and I just, uh, people are going to say, oh, this is, this is, you know, oh, it, this is a, a bridge too far. Yeah. If any president, any of the 44 presidents had behaved that way, uh, then those questions would have been raised. If Barack Obama had done that in 2013, those questions would have been raised by Republicans. They would have probably tried to start impeachment hearings. Mm -hmm. uh, if George W. Bush had done it, Democrats would do the same, and rightly so. This is a man who obviously is not fit to hold the office, he, and we've known that for a very long time. 
But he keeps giving, Mika, a, a preponderance of evidence to those cabinet members and members of the House and the Senate that would carry that vote. He is not fit. He is not acting fit. And, uh, and he is pushing foreign policy uh, initiatives that are actually going to do grave damage to this country. Be a more beautiful wall than having a concrete wall. So if the new trade deal, Mr. President, right, Jeff, Mr. President, Jeff, go ahead. if the new trade deal, Mr. Is going to Mr. President, go ahead. You, you go ahead, Jeff. You may. It's just pulling the spotlight back to the White House and to his point of view. But it's he, he didn't even take questions. It's just here over these Border Patrol guys and we need a wall. Thank you. To be clear, this is basically a this is a stunt. I mean, this yeah. isn't a briefing. So we thought there yeah. was going to was build as a, a last minute briefing that. That was not a briefing, right? A briefing is questions. A briefing is more than just a political stunt, which is what we just saw. It being held in the briefing room does not a briefing make. Uh, there should have been this. Yeah, this, this was a this was a press availability, I guess. Maybe a photo op, I, except there were words. I don't know. This, Here's this what was, it was. Donald Trump not, couldn't stand it that Nancy Pelosi was the center of attention today. He can't stand the fact that any other human being could get his or her day in the spotlight, so he had to butt in at 4.30 in the afternoon. It's pretty disgraceful, don't you think? This new Speaker of the House, a moving moment on the Hill, new members, and he has to have a ludicrous stunt, sorry to interrupt you, but a ludicrous yeah. stunt, you know, with some but union officials who endorse him. exactly what it is. You know, like I said to you, it's, it's deflection, it's distraction. He can't stand it, that there's Democratic Woodstock going on in the you know streets of Washington and in the Capitol Hill this this entire day. There's Democrats running around you know almost throwing glitter. There's happiness. They're buoyant, and you know he can't stand it. He doesn't want to hear about Alejandro Ocasio Cortez. He doesn't want to hear about the first Somali refugee. He doesn't want to hear about the first African American from Massachusetts or the first Latina from Texas or the fact that there's 89 women uh, swearing in as Democrats to the new Congress. It's driving him crazy. So. He needs to somehow be able to. And he doesn't want to hear about the government shutdown that he was supposed to take. That he was going to take responsibility for. Collins in because she was there in the briefing room for this non-briefing, non-briefing, more of a uh, the president showing up, which is certainly that hasn't occurred before. But Caitlin, what was your impression of this uh, stunt? Well, it certainly wasn't a press briefing, which is what the White House called it when they summoned the reporters up here so abruptly. They said there would be a press briefing with the press secretary, Sarah Sanders, in the White House press briefing room. And that is not what happened when they came out. Now, Sarah Sanders came out. There were a slew of other White House aides here, including the White House communications director, the White House social media director, and then all of these Border Patrol council members behind the president. And the president said they had been meeting in the Oval Office talking about the wall. Now, this is President Trump's first time in the press briefing room. He came up to the podium. He made that remark several times. It was his first time in here. And, of course, that would lead you to assume that the president was going to take questions from reporters, as some of the president's predecessors have done in the past. Except, instead, he spoke about the wall. He invited them to come up. And then he took no questions from any of the reporters in the room on the government shutdown that is now stretching into 13 days. And then Sarah Sanders, the press secretary, also walked out behind the president, and they did not take any questions from reporters. Now, this is something that is essentially unheard of. I'm not sure if 
the press secretary has ever come into the press briefing room before and not taken a single question from one reporter. Yes, we've had short briefings. Yes, they've been quick before. And yes, they're not very uh, regular in their occurrences, but typically they always take questions. That is not what happened here today. And the only thing that it can really remind you of is when the first time that Sean Spicer was press secretary and the day after the president's inauguration, when they summoned reporters pretty abruptly, then he came out here and shouted about the president's crowd size, saying it was the most attended inauguration ever and then turned away went back through that door up to his office and didn't take any questions that's pretty much what just happened with sarah sanders and president trump minus all the shouting that sean spicer did on that day this was not a press briefing
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see two. these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. Tell them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Yeah, he's in the military now. Okay, now that I, I'm back on planet Earth, you know, for those that listen to this the first time, this guy is so unglued. Remember, for those that are new, this show is based on media. Um, I had lived my whole life silence because I was a soldier. I used to be a media junkie. And of late, I just, you know, I can't handle... The hypocrisy. I mean, our media is supposed to treat everybody the same. If you're a lefty and you say motherfucker, if you're a righty and you say motherfucker about the President of the Office of the United States, you should be wrong. You're not supposed to be an activist. You're supposed to be a goddamn congresswoman. We're supposed to be above this shit. And by no means do I think Trump is a fucking great example. And I've said it on the show. I said the grabbing the pussy was pretty fucked up, but it's locker room talk, and it doesn't surprise me he said it, and I don't think it really matters, but he's probably going to lose the election anyway. I think that's what I said if I go back to the tape. And I think his Twitter account's embarrassing. But you know what? I compare what he's talking about to what Obama did to eight years, and in my mind, it's the same goddamn thing. Vilifying the opposition and vilifying the voters that vote for the opposition. Obama might have done it in Harvard language. He was still saying, I'm a fucking caveman, and I need to, you know, I need to do what he's telling me. If not, I'm a piece of shit. Obama was allowed to evolve on everything. Trump could turn around and be a fucking progressive for the next two years. They wouldn't give him credit for that because they just fucking hate him. Just hate him. And now we're electing people that hate him. If you compare to these resistance motherfuckers... To fucking the Tea Party. Sweet Jesus, Tea Party, no taxes. Or no spending, excuse me. That's what they talked about. They didn't talk about, I'm giving all your shit to somebody else because you're white and you're fucking racist, xenophobe, sexist, homophobe, transphobe. I'm punishing you for not being a liberal. But if you become a liberal, I won't punish you. Just like Alec Baldwin and Kevin Spacey. Okay, so there we go. Back to military, uh, because that's what we're in, military corner. Report, U.S. airstrike kills terrorists responsible for bombing the coal. That, of course, was the 17 sailors that were killed during the Clinton administration, and we did absolutely nothing about it. Jamel Ahmed Mohammed Al-Adibadi Wadi, you're motherfucking dead. And I say yay, yay, yay. This is during the same time that Clinton let the Balan get out about 40 times because he dealt with it like it was crime. 
It's just like some fucking thug on the street. Okay. China, China, China. I sound like Trump now. Shit. China lands spacecraft on dark side of the moon and world's first. They show pictures and the whole nine yards. And they're not up to human, but they're pretty fucking close. I'm just saying. Sailors hold heathen religious service aboard deployed aircraft carrier. I had to look it up. Heathens, according to recent news, it is a Viking mythology. (laughs) I snorted. And I thought fucking Wiccan was fucking crazy in my time. Chief Master Sergeant at Air Force New Command fired for the tweet that we'll drop something at any time you need us. That's just fucking ridiculous. And then there's an article, and I'm not going to read it. It's from John T. Kuhn. He's a general. It's time to reconsider Trump and foreign policy. Maybe he's on to something. That is on task and purpose. Go read it. I was really surprised because those motherfuckers over there are pretty fucking uber lib. And that leaked out. I don't know how it happened, but it did. To our college crazy. UMass Dartmouth charges pretty penny for eco-feminism course. University of Massachusetts Dartmouth is offering a $1,218 eco-feminism course in which students will learn about the oppression of nature. A schedule for the course states that students will study vegetarian eco-feminism, intersectionality and connectivity, activism, and more. Vegetarian eco-feminism. In here it says, in similar fashion, Professor of Santa Monica College took eco-sexuality to a different level, hosting an eco-sexual extravaganza, during which students married the ocean. In there they're talking about lust for nature. (laughs) Wow. Harvard decries destructive new Trump administration policy. Harvard University and 64 other U.S. schools have signed an amicus brief supporting Guilford College in a legal battle against U.S. Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen. The brief lamasked Nielsen's policy, which allows the Department of Homeland Security to start, set start dates for unlawful presence retroactively. So they're they're just doubling down like everybody comes in. Everybody, it doesn't matter how long they're, just be in this country, do what you want. Lefty sports website shames Ray Lewis as a Bible thumper. I want to just pause the cause for a second. This dude was in a murder, implicated in a murder. He was let off, but he was arrested around the Super Bowl. That was 2000, right? Now, he's a piece of shit because he's a Bible thumper. Okay. Uh, let me read this here in hot takes, bringing down the 10 hottest sports takes of 2018. Awful announcing related how in the second week of April, it took the Christian Lewis to task for his criticism of Giants receiver Odell Beckham Jr. While appearing on the Colin Coward Fox Sports program, Lewis uses every opportunity to talk about how religious and holier than thou he is. The herd and blasting the Giants Odell Beckham Jr. over religion. Here's what Lewis told Cowherd at the time. Where there's no God, there's chaos. Odell has removed God from his life. This is a kid who grew up under the covenant of who God really is and everything that he's doing. He's crying out for help. 
We have a lot of people reporting about it, but it's always been the duty of elders to go back and help them. So that's why I raised my hand and I told him, I'm here, whatever you need. It's a commitment he started to make, so we started to make those phone calls, start to have a conversation, and then I started to see he started to distance himself a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, and the moment, just listen to me, Colin, I don't care about religion, I'm talking about foundation. When your foundation is disturbed, when everything you're doing is in the opposite of what you've got in this place, then you're making your own bed hard. You know, I talk about a lot on the show, but you know, if all day you can force your religion of progressivism on us, in our grade schools, in our junior highs, high schools, college, on every morning show, Tony Dungy and Lewis, two African Americans, I mean, have you ever gone to a black church? I mean, these people are kind of Christians. Gone to the church. They be speaking the Bible, and they know it. And they're old school. Why they vote for Democrats who abort babies and want to fuck goats, I don't know. But it's there, man. They get lambasted in sports media because they talk about God. Well, here's my deal. If Jim Costa can go on TV and say he's got to take my gun just because I'm a white guy, suck a fat dick. They can talk about God. That's not very religious of me, but I said it. University honors MLK Day with gender identity teaching. Somehow this has not become a racial thing. I don't get it. Illinois Wesleyan University will mark Martin Luther King's Junior Day with a gender identity teaching. The afternoon-long event will feature two speakers, including black, queer, feminist, community organizer. January 21st event at the United Methodist Church affiliated university will feature two speakers, Charlene Carruthers, whose website describes as a black, queer, feminist community organizer, will deliver the keynote for the famed civil rights activist and former Baptist minister. The afternoon-long event will include a session on gender identity and human rights, which will be led by IWU Pride Alliance. The theme of the event, according to University News Release, is gender and social justice. Drawing on black intellectuals and grassroots organizing traditions include the Haitian Revolution, the U.S. Civil Rights Movement, the LGBTQ rights and feminist movement, unapologetic challenges all of us engaged in the social justice struggle to make the movement for black liberation more radical, more queer, more feminist, more fucking crazy. The university said Davis invitations serve to bring the FSU Tallahassee community together to reflect on the past and challenge one another to be engaged in creating social justice and advocates for social justice for all. I don't think Martin Luther King would be down with the transgenders. I'm just throwing it out there. I know I shouldn't say that because I'm white, but I just I wouldn't I would say he'd be talking about they shouldn't be killed. But this gay stuff? No, I don't think he'd be... He was a Christian, yo. He was a minister. Black Church. Old Testament. Look it up. US, UCSF flaunts gender pronoun stickers for those not sure. The UCSF is offering gender pronoun stickers to help faculty and students determine the preferred gender pronouns for people they just met. <clears throat> These stickers aim to reduce instances of misgendering and to make it easier for you to know which pronouns to use for someone you just met. It's important to offer opportunities for all members to share their gender pronouns in settings where they're asked to introduce themselves. Whether you're working with a colleague, peer, or patient, we want to allow for everyone to specifically indicate the pronouns so each individual feels safe navigating UCSF. 
That doesn't bother me. I'm not going to lose my lunch on it. But oh fuck yeah on this story. Schools to teach 8 year old boys can have periods too. Schools in Brighton, United Kingdom have received new orders that will mandate more gender inclusivity when teaching children about menstruation. Children as young as 8 will be taught that individuals of all genders can have periods. Moreover, the school has been instructed to install sanitary waste disposal units in all washrooms, not just ones assigned for girls. In recent years, studies have shown that dialogue about periods need to tackle menstruation from a more gender-inclusive point of view rather than considering a binary approach. That is to say that those who identify as boys but still have traditional female genitalia can still have periods, and that's what we call females. But okay... The introduction was included in a guideline published by the local council earlier this month taking a positive, a period-positive approach at Brighton and Hove schools, which asserts there's more work to do across all settings to prevent or reduce stigma related to periods and talking about periods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're talking to kids like this. So your period has arrived, you're not feeling it, what can you do? Note, mild period pain is common and relieved, blah, 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 blah. And they go down and talk about magnesium and all the things a woman needs to do. But it's for guys. I, I just can't believe in the year 2019, we have people walking the planet that believe boys have periods. And we want to train our kids that. You can't have a period with the penis or a fake vagina. You can't. That's biology. So are we teaching them in biology that Nemo was an eunuch? He's an ex-fish? The little dirt mermaid had a dick shoved in her tail? I mean, what are we saying to kids? They're fucking kids. They shouldn't even be grappling this shit. I got the gay shit. Okay, I can concede if you live in an area that's got a bunch of gay people like California, you probably need to talk to your kids because maybe your parents didn't sit down and go, yeah, those are two guys over there. They fuck each other in the ass. They're in love. That's their sex. They don't make babies. But just like we talked to you about your babies, yeah, they still have, you know, they adopt them. Instead of, like, producing them, they adopt them. They can be parents. That's normal. Don't say anything else. Your life will be ruined at eight. Okay, that's the talks we should have. I got it. But boys have periods. No, they don't. I say it every podcast because every podcast, there's a story about boys having periods. And we need to put tampons in boys' bathrooms. Oh, my God. I sound like fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Anyway, okay, we're moving on. When parents of same-sex couple refuse to attend the wedding, this mom steps in. Four years ago, when Sarah Cunningham came home from a pride festival in Oklahoma City, she was covered head to toe with glitter. She had spent a day offering free mom hugs or high fives. Not everybody's a hugger, she says. To passersby. Unfortunately, uh, uh, and the, the love and joy she felt was pal- palatable. Unfortunately, so was something else. That day, I went home with real horror stories. I was broken from hearing from community kids who had been living out their cars, kids who had been kicked out of their churches or homes for just identifying as gay. Cunningham's son is gay, and her experience at the festival led her and others to, to ally mothers to form to now free mom hugs, and then they go to weddings with the parents don't go. Okay. Good for you. 
you will get all sorts of liberal cred. But I bet you as sure as I'm a fat bald guy, 2% of all these have something to do with the gay. 2%. And that's being way more generous than it probably is. The rest is probably their kids have attacked their parents because their parents didn't jump up and down and go, Oh, you're gay. I'm so fucking happy. Let me rub my nipples. They probably said, Okay. Or they made cotton. I wish I could have a grandkid. Are you going to adopt? Or they wanted to feel part of the crowd. I am prejudiced because I'm a group. I finally got in one of your Democrat little groups and I'm oppressed. I guarantee if you dig down to... I, I know guys <clears throat> with kids that are trans, folks. I'm not talking out of a bunker in Redneckville where we're out hanging up fucking goddamn signs of you ain't white, you ain't right. I've actually been in the goddamn world and they were manly men and they didn't chuck their kid. The kid wore dresses when he was 13. Never said a word about it. Nobody did. Nobody disparaged it. Nobody made a big deal out of it. They just let it go. It's okay. That's your life. Everybody's got to deal with it. So this, every kid, all these horror stories, they're probably fucking lies. But of course, as this came from CNN, they didn't look into it. They just ran the article. Because we're all about virtue signaling. NAACP blames white supremacy for Portland earthquake signs. It's going to break this down. It's pretty simple. The city, because they're getting more earthquakes, and for those who don't know, I was there in the fucking 80s and there were earthquakes, went around and put signs on old brick buildings that can't handle an earthquake, just so people know, don't go here. Didn't do, white people don't go here, didn't do, Latino people don't go here, hey, all you fucking N-words go in this building. That's not what they did. They just put a sign on a building that is not earthquake-proof. The NAACP says, well, that's all on black buildings, or these were on the black buildings, so that's racist. When is a building black? When you paint it, maybe, but that's not a black building. That's forever, dickhead. It might be owned by black people today. It might not the next day, but this is the kind of shit that goes on in the uber, uber, far-left, crazy, militant African-American community because I saw it in the LA riots. White-owned, black-owned. Fucking Martian owned. They painted the buildings for fuck's sake because black people would only go fuck up the other than black. They got trained that by the NAACP. That was the fucking 90s. Lesbian Batwoman gets green light on CW armed with a passion for social justice and a flair for speaking her mind. Ruby Rose will start it. The rival of Batwoman breaks, breaks several barriers, not only as a character and a vowed lesbian, but she'll also be played by an openly gay Ruby Rose, who plays Stella Carlin on Orange is the New Black. Their tweet, armed with a passion for social justice and flavor, speaking her mind, Katie Rose, or Kate Rose, soars on the street of Gotham as Batwoman, an out lesbian and highly trained street fighter, primed to snuff out the failing city's criminal resurgence. But don't call her a hero yet. In a city desperate for a savior, Kate must overrun her own demons for embracing the call to be Gotham's symbol of hope with a bunch of fucking hella dykes. They're going to have a goddamn dykathon. Okay, that was the mic. Alpha male in there. What the fuck's gay got to do with that? Why? 
It's like this weekend, I was going to do part on this, and I forgot to put it in here. My fucking um, wife is a Lizzie Borden freak. She's watched everything. So we watched Lizzie, paid six bucks. They turned that into an art lesbian film. It was like L Word. Just a dykathon, just going at each other sexually. And then, oh, by the way, took hatchets to motherfuckers. And the articles from Vanity Fair and Hollywood Reporter, well, people are fact-checking this, but we really don't know if she was a lesbian. Well, fucking shit! What does lesbian have to do with the murder story? We just threw that in there because, hey, it's going to go to fucking cons and, and... fucking all these film festivals and we'll look very virtuous because we pushed a bunch of gay shit. They can't get us now. We had a gay character. Okay. This one cracked me the fuck up. I got this from the Daily Wire. Website selling gentle prosthetics for transgender children. Children. Okay, it doesn't crack me up. I thought it was just prosthetics. I missed the children. As the transgender movement has developed, so too has its focus on transitioning of younger and younger people. Trans kids, according to the About section of the Transgender Youth website, is a safe and affirming place where helping your kids live full and embodied is our only goal. Transkids.biz, which is dedicated to providing young folks with gender expression gear and resources, not only recommends transgender children books like Who Are You? The Kid's Guide to Gender Identity, which is also known as the fucking mind comp for transgenders because it's probably brainwashing but that's okay and be who you are in markets that sells garments and prosthetics designed to fit young children between the approximate age of 8 to 13 and by the way yeah I did mind comp you guys use Hitler and Nazi on everything I'm going to use it on transgender community each prosthetic has a piece of clothing it casually described as if it were a blouse in an old department store for example, the Tuck Buddies underwear, which is meant for biological girls to identify as boys, describes as follow. These clever undies have an extra panel in front to help your kiddo have a smooth front with a modern boy short look. Tuck Buddies can help your f- girl feel more confident and comfortable. The Masho Packer prosthetic penis is a much requested piece from Japan that we are able to offer in limited quantities. This smallish prosthetic is angled downward for a more realistic and less outstanding package. While designed for adults, this is one for smaller packers on the market. The mini and the teeny tiny seem to be the smallest prosthetic penises offered by the website. While most trans boys don't start packing until their teens are older, sometimes young kids want to have prosthetic, and what is on the market is really just too big for most folks under 10 years old. So our friends who make our silicon packers came up with a mini version for younger and smaller kids. Now they may look too tiny to some, but we think these are pretty accurate in overall size. That said, they are a scaled-down version of larger packer. They use the acronym AMAB, assigned male at birth. Mm-hmm. According to a 2014 paper by Columbia University's Jack Drescher, ethical issues raised by the treatment of gender variant pubescent children and published in the Hastings Center report, only a fraction of children who display gender dysphoric behavior continue to do so as adults. There is no expert clinical consensus regarding the treatment of pubescent children who meet diagnostic criteria for what was referred to as a DSMV, IVTR, and ICD-10 as gender identity disorder in children and now in DSM-5 as gender 
dysphoria. As the World Professional Association for Transgender Health notes in their latest standards of care, gender dysphoria and childhood does not inevitably continue into adulthood, and only 6 to 23% of boys and 12 to 27% of girls treated in gender clinics show persistence of their dysphoria into adulthood. Furthermore, most of the boys' gender dysphoria dissented, and in adulthood they identified as gay rather than transgender. But go ahead and give them a bunch of shit that's just fucking sick because they shouldn't be thinking about the dick. And let's be honest, if you're a girl and you're a boy, you'd want the big packer. That's why boys put tube socks in their pants. But we came out with little packers. If you're a real boy, you'd want the fucking 12-foot King Kong dick. And shove it down your pants. But why are we shoving things down kids' pants? And the Transgender Association says, Oh, well, yeah, maybe we should slow down on this shit. But the mafia be like, Fuck that shit. If you ain't giving them hormones now, you're a fucking transphobe. That's just some sick sexual chick, sexual shit with kids. That's what it is. It goes back to that fucking map shit we talked about in a podcast ago. Man, what the fuck is wrong with people? No. If my kid came up to me and said he was a girl, I wouldn't do shit about it until he was 13. And then I'd be like, okay, what do you want to do? I, w- I was an alpha male who had a job of killing people. I would have still loved my kid. But at fucking eight, I wasn't going to go up to my daughter and go, here's a dick, shove it in your pants. I want you to feel like a man like daddy. That was never coming out of my mouth. Because my kids were straight edge. My daughter was a vegan until she got poor. I was a whole bunch of shit growing up. And it was a fucking phase. That's what we called it back in the day. A phase. There was a time my son I thought was a fucking troll. He lived in my basement and I never saw him. He was always in the dark. I thought he was watching porn. But he was playing games. Empire of Ages. Building up to nuclear and then start... Yeah, I didn't understand it. Still went fishing. We watched football. I loved him. I didn't get it, but I didn't care. It's his world. I always just say, it's your world. When you want to stop playing baseball, something important to me because I wanted to be there for him. We had a conversation in the center field, and he said, I don't want to do this anymore. Why don't you say something? I got plenty of other shit to do than driving you all these goddamn practice. I made a joke out of it. I was upset. I wanted him to play because it was cool watching him play. He was really good. And then football. He was a better football player at fucking 13 than I was at fucking 17. He didn't want to do it. He got hurt and said, fuck that. I don't want to do this anymore. My knee's fucked up. Okay? But in the media, all us Southerners were out there fucking doing gay conversion therapy and lashing fucking transgenders to fences and killing them. Which is once again a bogus story for all you liberals out there. That's a bogus story. Shepard was not killed because he was gay. It was a drug deal for fuck's sake. New York Times reported that shit. Anyway. Portland students walk out, protest school resource officers. They don't want them in there. I- I'm not going to go deep in this because it comes from a Portland or uh, Portland fucking media outlet. 
There is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 people protesting this. It's national. I got it off Twitter. Yeah. It's a huge protest. We don't want resource officers. They have guns. Guns are bad. Shut the fuck up. Demi Lovato slams fat shaming Instagram ad. Instagram pulls it. That's the next thing. Maps. Fat shaming. We've covered like seven stories in the last two years. Next will be map transgender fucking fat shaming. (laughs) I don't know where they're going to come up with that shit. It's going to be a weird acronym. They're going to come out with new shit. You're a weightist. You're a pedophilist. He lured, and right on cue, I didn't even look up when I said that, but here it is. I got to frame this. Back in the day, there was an NBC show, and they would lure pedophiles through Facebook or MySpace, and they'd get them to come, and then they'd arrest that ass. NBC News ran this article. He lures alleged child predators and shames them on Facebook. Now one of his targets is dead. Shane Erdman starred the online vigilante operation Pop Squad, one of the many similar groups tapping in to a hunger for vengeance. This was on the heel of a real bad dude pedophile killed in prison. They chopped his fucking balls up. They chopped his balls off and he bled to death. Because in prison... You can be a lot of things, but you can't be fucking up little kids. But NBC News, who used to run those shows, is now disparaging it because maps are people too. You're fucking sick, liberals. I'm looking at you. You're sick. How solitary confinement drove a young inmate to brink of sanity? He's black. That's the only reason why they ran that story too. Half the people who think they have food allergies do not study shows. And I just wanted to cover that because what I've been saying. We didn't have ADD. Nobody had peanut allergies. Gluten my ass. But now we got a billion things because everybody wants to be special. Eat some MREs for a year. Come back and talk to me about allergies. Fuck off. New comedy sketch shows possibly in the work and it won't be woke. Rob Schneider put it out on Twitter. A bunch of people went crazy. And I hope he does it. I hope he does it. It would be so awesome to have an SNL type skit show that's not about politics. I've been so hungry for it. I'm watching YouTube living color. I just fast forward with all white people are bad. So, I mean, that's the one I fast forward through. But there's only a few of them. They were about humor. Jokes. Where did that go? Why have we lost that? It's just all about Republicans bad, Christians bad, 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 bad. To our lighter fare. I've been trying to slip in Ranger Up's Bad News Network. It's usually very comical, but I've had time problems. I've always restricted it. So this is their 1-4-2019. I think it's pretty funny. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Nick Palmashano, and this is the Bad News Network.
President Trump held a cabinet meeting this week with a poster on the table modeled after Game of Thrones with the words, sanctions are coming, written across it. People across the Twitterverse were quick to mock the president for using a show where a wall did not work as a reason to build a wall. Politics aside, I have a real problem with this. That ice wall did work for eight millennia. In fact, that wall worked for so many years that people didn't even think that White Walkers were real anymore. They had drifted off into lore. Even the Night's Watch, that basically lives on the wall, thought that they were legends. If Dirty Aunt Daenerys hadn't handed the freaking White Walkers a frost giant of death or whatever, that wall would still be totally effective. Generations of people in the Seven Kingdoms have lived for 8,000 years walker free. It took a mythological double evil super double triple magic dragon to take down a wall after 8,000 years of service. That wall worked. In other news, President Trump has not been particularly happy with the attention that Mattis has received since his resignation this week. The president has spent much of his week trying to diminish Mattis, even at one point exclaiming, what has he done for me? Which sort of misses the point of what service even is. He served the nation at the pleasure of the president. He didn't serve the president. His job isn't to do anything for you. It's to serve the nation, to serve the men and women of the armed forces, and to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. I don't usually like to harp on language because nobody is perfect, especially when they're unscripted. But this theme with the president of people doing something for him or working for him or being loyal to him is a recurring theme with the president and it's problematic. President Trump then went on to say he thinks he would make a good general, but who knows. Some have argued that he would have had the opportunity to know if he had served honorably in Vietnam and then stayed in the military, worked his way up the chain of command, and then had the opportunity to become a general. Others have said that, um, nah, that's the only option. A new Congress has started today. My prediction, Republicans will suddenly care about the deficit and spending again. Democrats won't impeach the president, even though they've been bitching incessantly that the Republicans should help them in doing so. And at the end of all of it, both sides will get the same cushy jobs at lobbyist groups all throughout DC, just as the framers intended. A video of Congressman Ocasio-Cortez dancing has been promoted by many on the far right as a way of shaming her and what we at BNN like to call the footloose strategy. Ocasio-Cortez is dangerous because she's a charismatic woman who is a great marketer who is simultaneously espousing the tenets of socialism which have failed in every single experiment they've ever been used throughout the globe. The fact that she's a millennial that was paying homage to The Breakfast Club and doing it very well, I might add, is probably the most endearing thing that she's done thus far, as far as I'm concerned. We really need to drop the concept of blasting people for their distant past, especially their teenage past. I'm not sure about all you perfect Puritans out there, but I did a lot of stupid things in my past and childhood, and I like to think of myself as at least mildly competent. When I was the same age as Ocasio-Cortez was in that video, I was sitting there waiting for wrestling practice to start and we came upon a crash mat. We immediately started doing backflips on the crash mat. But, you know, we were kids and we were meatheads and that got boring, so then we pushed the crash mat closer to this stage so we could get kind of a running jump and do backflips off the stage onto the crash mat. But then me and another idiot decided that's just not extreme enough. 
So we pushed the crash mat over next to one of the basketball hoops. I then climbed up on top of the backboard, balancing myself precariously on this tiny backboard, and did a backflip off of it. I didn't quite clear it enough so that as I was doing the backflip, my knee hit the rim. And you know those little hooks that connect the net? My knee kind of got stuck in that and spun around, leaving a scar that I still have to this very day. Now that is wildly more dumb than dancing to the breakfast club. So I don't think you need to worry about her dance video. What you may want to worry about is that the idiot who jumped off of a backboard is far more likely to know something about policy decisions or the way our government works than somebody that was just elected to New York's 14th district. If you're going to hit her, hit her on the quality of her policies, not the fact that she does a mean Molly Ringwald impression. In the most Florida story of the week, a Florida man attacked a female McDonald's employee over a straw. Daniel Taylor was upset upon realizing that McDonald's now keeps straws behind the counter because of a new white suburban woman ordinance based on their total boredom and a video of a turtle with a straw up its nose. Taylor, incensed by his lack of straws, reached out and grabbed Yasmeen James by the scruff of the neck and yanked her right to his face. James, who was about 70 pounds lighter than Taylor, wasn't having it and rapidly hit him with nine overhand rights until he let her go. As he was being escorted out of the McDonald's, he then kicked a second female employee right in the stomach. Shortly thereafter, Taylor was arrested by police. When questioned, he said, I'm sorry, but that was the last straw. China landed a rover on the far side of the moon this week, making it the first nation ever to do so. Many in the U.S. are quick to minimalize this accomplishment. After all, we put the first man on the moon 50 years ago and landed our first rover 65 years ago. We did this before the iPhone, before the Atari, before the home computer, and even before the floppy disk even existed. Nevertheless, this is an important accomplishment and harkens to China's increased investment in science and technology. It's easy to dismiss space as less important than our terrestrial concerns, but the search for new frontiers drives new technology, bolsters defense, and moves us closer to being a multi-planet species. And just about every scientist out there believes that that's critical for the long-term survivability of humanity. So NASA, all I'm saying is... Get your ass to Mars. But everything isn't good in China. The combination of U.S. tariffs and low consumer confidence has built a great wall of failure around China's economic aspirations even as they spend more in defense and technology. The first major indicator of this came Thursday as Apple announced extremely soft sales in the largest smartphone market in the world. Apple stock dropped 10% and the Dow dropped 660 points on the news. What will happen next in China? I'd crack a Chinese fortune cookie to find out. But those are an American invention. Just like everything else, that is awesome! And finally, Giuseppe Matarazzo, a pedophile Catholic priest whose assaults led one 15-year-old girl to commit suicide by hanging, was killed by two hitmen 11 days after being released from prison. The Carabinieri currently have two suspects in custody and believe the father of the slain girl was involved as well. Nevertheless, they're worried about how their case is going to fare in court as the entire town has come on the record as saying, Meno foto! I didn't see nothing! And with that, I'm Nick Palmashano, and this is the Bad News Network. Our news is at least as bad as the news you're getting already, and it's now 2019. Where's my flying car? And another thing. If the Night's Watch had been given a real budget instead of just been loading up with prisoners and reprobates and losers, that wall probably still would have held. They weren't even clearing trees anymore. You got a budget for this stuff. 
So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send emails about segments, suggesting them, or comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Foppodcast, gmail.com. Get this show on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, which is kind of like SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage until March, F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Fop podcast.com it's a thing to see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and email us there you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page we're going to go uh since i got done early this week we're going to go with the 11 january 2019 podcast that's this friday um and i'll start that with my op-ed gotta get it out wrote it up just ran out of time today it's got a lot of sound bites very interesting concept about really what they were saying without saying it. We need to start looking at people. We stop school shootings, not taking away guns, not saying conservatives are bastards are not conservatives saying all you liberals are out to kill motherfuckers, which I do do occasionally for the certain sects that do want to kill all conservatives or white people or whatever. If we see the warning signs, we could stop it, but more deeper. What the fuck happened to us that we got here? Seriously, what happened? I hope you guys have a great week. Stay warm. Getting cold back down in the south. I don't know where it's, your world is. Um, and I just want to say uh, something happened to a good friend of mine, to his family. And it's just horrible. I would like people to stop for a second. And when you see crime stuff, it's usually deeper than we think. Not to get into the details. I saw a crime this week and I just blew it off as something that happened. And it comes to find out it hit home. And it was a great person that I know that did it. And it was a moment of craziness. And it made me rethink how I look at that kind of stuff. Um, I'm usually pretty fast to say those motherfucking pieces of shit or whatever. Um, In this case, it was a great human being that did something bad. So maybe we all should be less judgy. There by the grace of God goes I. Because you just never know. You just never know. Make sure you disconnect from all your uh, devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Give your family your undivided attention. And tune back in Friday for another show. As always, thanks for li- listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fiverr Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.